You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. Oh, shoot. What are you guys doing here? Oh, hello. What are the odds? I know, dude. Wow. Uh, hey man, you're uh, you're probably. I think you're our first uh, three peat. No, second three peat. Is it second Bracken? Third. Oh, never mind. We have Hunter, Rich, Ryan, and now VJ Jones. That's good Ooh. company. That's decent company. Yeah. You're in a new abode, hey? Yeah, dude. You can tell. Like I've really designed this wall behind me. It looks sweet. It's really nice. Yeah, 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 dude. What is eventually going to go on that wall? Anything, or do you like the the very simple look? What's your nail? So I recently like moved my desk. So like this was in the back. I had like a race calendar and some stuff. But then I decided I wanted to sit this direction, facing uh, what direction is this? East makes me feel better. So uh, I haven't I haven't done anything with this wall. Like James did live here, and he wanted to put some stuff up on this wall. Uh, we never got around to that. He left. Is this the always going to be blank in honor of James Wall? Uh, maybe. That's a great idea. Yeah. We'll have like a picture frame, but with nobody in it. You can't have one of those, what are they, those little altars they put up for people, and you have a bunch of candles like little, around it. Yeah, a shrine, like a little, a little shrine thing. A shark Perfect. shrine. A shark shrine. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to do that for sure. I like That's to face awesome. east in my in my office too. I feel better facing east. There's something to that. I don't know what it is, but I face the same way. Sort of bros that way. Oh, I face oh. north in mine at home. No, that's not right, Bracken. See what I'm facing it's, it's, right now. It's interesting uh, your screen name today, VJ, because we wanted to talk to you about all of that. Mm, what what is yeah. your screen name? What does your screen name say today for the people that can't see you, which is everybody but us? Um, before I answer your question, I'm going to close the windows in my browser so that my signal doesn't suck. Um, my screen name today is Slow But Fast. <laughs> it's appropriate right now in this, this moment in time. Yeah. Like, I'm slow, but I'm fast. You get it? Totally makes sense <laughs> to it. me. And, and we now, can totally dive into this, but yeah. I don't know if it's even out yet because I don't. I'm in a different country right now. But we did an episode of Race Brain this week, and we talked about you and Mark Botris at Carlsbad running the five thousand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that concept of slow but fast came up. Not saying that either of you were slow, but that your times were not at all even close to what any of us would have predicted for you in a five k based mm-hmm. off of the fitness we've known you to show in races. Yeah. That's fair. Which is interesting. So I, I, and I think that's part of what we want to chat about today is the idea of what is fast. Uh, also, I'm very interested because we've been talking about this lately, the idea of leaving certain skills behind while you prep for other skills and what, how do you maintain certain things. Like, for example, let's say you theoretically did a uphill mountain block 
prior to Big Bear. Mm-hmm. Could that have possibly affected Carlsbad and how long would it take to get it back and how much have you you know how much do you put on the back burner and how much do you totally take off the stove and that that whole concept of I think that's what the everyday person goes through when they try to do a series of races or a non-connected series of races that don't have any shared characteristics how do people go about preventing speed decay or endurance loss or now I can run really good at 15% and I can't power hike anymore that kind of stuff yeah yeah, there's we, uh, a lot of weird stuff. We like should that. get into all that. I don't want to jump to that until we get caught up on what BJ's doing in his, in his life outside of training. Because you're wearing a, a shirt right now that I don't think you're a polo. Are you a polo guy or is that a work shirt? Cause this is a work shirt. I asked you to record. Okay, because I asked you to record this podcast, and you said you get done with work at like 1030 in the morning or something. And I'm like, what kind of job gets a guy done at 1030 in the morning? So... So, could we answer I, that first? Let's take a step back to where um, I like having extracurricular activities. Uh, technically, my job is an extracurricular activity, but um, I like to do other stuff too. And my main problem is I'm extremely competitive, uh, so I end up going way too hard in anything I do. So, uh, like, if I picked up pickleball, I wouldn't just go play like doubles with the old people. I'd play singles for three and a half hours after running a hard workout and completely ruin like my recovery. So I tried to find an activity that was lower intensity and I'm not really, uh, I don't know, I get bored sitting inside. Like I sit inside like anyone else, but I wanted something outside. So I started playing golf and golf's really fun and it's extremely challenging and it's really frustrating. So I have to keep doing it. Um, so I've been playing a lot of golf lately, and I found out I was spending a lot of money on golf because it's not free like many other things you can do. Um, so I said, how do I save money but continue to pursue this without you know, spending $15,000 on a simulator and putting it in my living room? Um, so I got a job as a greenskeeper um, three days a week. And, and then you play for free? And I play for free. At Garden of the Gods Country Club, kissing camels, which is why there's two camels on my shirt, kissing. And uh, yeah, for you know, I get to play for free, and other people play, uh, you know, for two hundred twenty dollars. So it's a good deal. Wow. Now, if yeah, anybody what? knows, well, anybody knows the life of. I'm a golfer myself, but I don't know if you are, Brack, and I guess we've never chatted golf. But are you? A I golfer? golf about twice a year, whether I need well, it or not. We'll say yes then. But like a greenskeeper now, like we talk about the early morning grind of training and all that. Uh, you're up with like you're there when the sun's cracking, aren't you? Typically, as a greenskeeper, yeah. At least the ones days, I know. Are. The last two days, I've worked. I woke up at four forty-five, and I was uh, clocked in at five thirty. I found the closest golf course. It's five minutes from my house, so the commute's not really a thing. I just pop over there and I'm ready to roll. Um, now the couple weeks leading into Big Bear I actually was working um, like 8 to 9 hour days and I've since reduced that because that was not working for me like 8 hours of manual labor out in the sun was not a good idea um, to do often so now I'm working half days so I go in really early and I do the first job of the day which whether it's mowing or Know, raking bunkers or whatever it is, I do that and then I go home. 
So I'm done at 10.30 to 11 every day. Um, and then I get to train. I train after that, hottest time of the day. Yeah. My like favorite it? job I ever had was running, uh, not running, but I was in charge of the landscaping for mo- mostly just the, the lawn maintenance for a company. And I loved it. I loved getting out there, throwing on my headphones, and just driving. It's fun. It's peaceful. Like, uh, we're right up against Garden of the Gods. And mm-hmm. the place that I work the most, like, I, I prefer doing the bunker job, which means I'm on a machine. And I go around, and I just drag rakes behind me when I'm in the bunkers, make them look nice. And uh, I'm just all by myself, listening to music or a podcast or something. Um, I was going to listen to that Race Brain episode, but I left my phone at the office, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, it's super nice, and it's beautiful in the mornings. Like, sometimes I stumble upon deer or, like, coyotes, or there's been, like, some bear tracks in some of the bunkers lately. And I got this beautiful view of the mountains and Garden of the Gods. It's right there. And I'm on, like, this really nice maintained grass plain just doing my thing. Um, it's pretty nice. It's been a, an adjustment not to get to train first thing in the morning or, like, even not having a job. I would just wake up and know that the first thing I was going to do was running, even if I just sat around for two hours. First thing I would do in the morning would still be running. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's been a change of pace, and uh, I think it'll end up being a good thing uh, once I get more used to it. But yeah, yeah, new lifestyle as of late. I like that. Uh, didn't you work at a running store previously? Uh, no. I can jabber if you want to keep eating your lunch. I can just talk. Thing is, I got here like five minutes before we started recording from oh. work because we were. We got a tough job today, but no, yeah. What's I worked at a I worked at a running shoe store for a couple of years. I think a little over two years uh, when I lived in California. And that was great. Four hour shifts, like five days a week, and it was right in the middle of the day. I wouldn't start till eleven, so I'd nice. go run in the morning, come back, shower, go to work, work for four hours, and then go home and get to just hang out. It's pretty nice. It was a good setup. So. So does running, I guess the VJ Jones, which you know you're just a teen idol right now, right? It is the VJ Jones we are talking about. I'm a hot commodity. Mm. Yes, you are in the OCR and running world. So does does it not pay the bills right now as a young man? Like does if you had to make it work, we'd love to have this conversation, but Bracken and I aren't good enough to know at this point as far as I mean, if racing pays the bills. Does it pay the bills? Not really. I mean, it can for sure, but you're not living like, like you got to make the decision, like, am I going to go out to eat? Mm, probably not. Like, oh, friends are going to go out and do something. Am I going to do that? Uh, no, probably not. Uh, that's kind of how it is. And I, I'm, I think I'm doing well compared to most athletes in the sport. Uh, I say there's a couple, a couple top people that have kind of carried success from, you know, previous years, like Killian. I don't know if he's doing well right now, but historically he had really good deals. And I'm sure Atkins is on a similar level. Um, I can't speak to, like, Nicole or anybody like that, but I think some of those people are still, you know, a level up from where I'm at. But I'm doing well enough. Like, I'm I'm not making comfortable money. I'm making, you know, uh, survival money, 
So I can survive on it for sure, but supplementing that income is definitely helpful. Um, I'd say like if I was just going off like sponsor and race money so far, I probably wouldn't be uh, like afloat, you know? Mm -hmm. So having the little job, like selling some training programs and that sort of thing has definitely like been the good thing that I've done. And plus with, you know, everything with Spartan, like I don't see myself getting paid till the end of the year probably for any of the races that I do. So, um, that's, that's like non-existent money. So in in my mind, it doesn't exist. I'm just racing because I like to compete. Um, and if I get paid at some point, yay, sick. That's tough. Cause at one point I was living a couple miles from where you are Mm -hmm. doing, trying to do what you're doing, racing full time. And there was no better feeling than hopping off the podium and having Robert Coble sign your check over to you right in front of you because it was a shot of life right in the arm right there like okay I don't have to worry for the next month rent's covered food's covered we can head out for our Sunday morning breakfast with the family you know the, the extraneous stuff you were talking about we can head down to the arcade we can go uh, take the tram up to uh, up and down on Pikes Peak whatever what the things that you say no to when you're living on a shoestring budget you're good for a month or two now as soon as you podium because mm-hmm. you cash the check immediately. And then it turned into now you wait four to six weeks or whatever. And now these days that you go out and you win slow, you know, in San Luis Obispo. And and there isn't that injection into your arm immediately. Now it's I can't count on that anymore. And that was a big chunk of what sustained the people that were trying to live that athlete lifestyle. For sure. Yeah, I, I remember those robert coble uh signing you a check days that was like my very first race and not my very first but my first race that i won like they handed me a 500 hundred dollar check right there and that was the mm-hmm. most money i'd ever seen until that point i was like heck yeah, yeah. dude 500 dollars let's go and uh, there was a delay? day go ahead there was a day we bet each other our checks and coble just handed it to each other and had we had to sign off and then the podium bet each other the checks. We raised stakes at a stadium race. Nice. It was the last race of the year, and, and people just shuffled checks right there on the podium. You could do those things because you knew money was coming in. And is it a little disconcerting not knowing if the money's coming in now? Or is this why the job has to be a thing? Well, the job doesn't have to be a thing, but golf is like probably the one thing that I really enjoy doing outside of you know just normal everyday life stuff. It's really fun. Um, and it's like challenging a new skill set so i just wanted to keep doing mm-hmm. it and i mean i was playing at local courses here that were pretty cheap like you know 15 20 for like a nine hole round and i would go often enough to where like if you want to get better you got to play often you can't just you know show up you're talking little par threes uh i was playing like regulation courses as well uh, i started you can find twenty dollar regulation courses in Colorado. Yeah, right down the road for about Wow. Eight minutes from my house right here, you can do that. But when you're doing it four times a week, you know, like it's racking up to where mm-hmm. I was like, well, maybe I shouldn't be doing this as much because it's not helping anything. It's just something for fun. But I found mm-hmm. a way to maintain that, but also supplement my income a little bit. Um, so I'll be able to cover like my house rent here with just the job. And then all the sponsor money will cover uh, other expenses. But rent's covered yeah. and it gets golf for free. So, it was winning. Nice. Not bad. Do, yeah. do you walk or ride? That's the real question. Oh, uh, when I'm he- at this course? Mm-hmm. Uh, Anywhere. Well, 
you, normally I walk because I'm going to pay you $9 to use your golf cart. Especially when like I'm walking and I'm keeping up with the dude on the golf cart. Like you, No point. Uh, but when I go to the nice course that I work at, um, I take the cart because it's free. And it's super plush. It's like a Bentley. Like this is... It's like a full-on rich people country club. Like, and it's kind of scary, actually. I, I was nervous to play there for the first time because there's multi-million dollar houses lining every inch of the fairway. So if, you're, if you have a really bad shot, like, you might hit someone that owns, you know, a Fortune 500 company. Or, like, like they pointed out a house to me the other day, and they're like, that lady's from the Hunt's ketchup family. And I'm like, great, so don't hit, like, any of their houses or anything. So, yeah, there's, like, a lot of wealthy people around here. And I'm not trying to get too close to any of them. Mm -mm. If you were on the right side of the fairway in one of the houses and I were golfing, you'd have a problem. That'd be where I'd zip right in. I, I view golfing as this is the utmost of recreation to me. I have not walked a golf course since, like, 2013 i refuse to walk out there i am card only no matter what this is my feet are up and it is just relaxation mode i can't i hate walking the course now which seems I'd bizarre to i like to, to move my body i'd love yeah. to get to that level i'm thinking about uh i don't know if you've seen those electric scooters that you could attach a mm. uh, like golf bag to the oh, front yeah. of them that's pretty sweet um I was also thinking about selling my car and just getting an electric skateboard. So then I, I could just do that, you know, not, not need any of them. So, so the choices, sweet. these are the things in life. That yeah. You're Golfing hipster. For. Yeah. That's a guy could be you. <laughs> so with, you know, you never know. You could always rebrand VJ. It's never too late. Um, mm. So, so with this, uh, just a question that popped into my head with Spartan, not paying their athletes right now. Um, and you being one of their poster children, which is interesting to hear that you don't get priority because you're one of the, you know, one of the figures. Oh yes. Um, well, the thing is, I'm one of the only people that didn't sign the Spartan Pro contract this year. Oh. Um, so Got I'm it. not necessarily a poster child, but when uh, you know, every time I go on Facebook, I'm getting an ad for the Colorado Springs race that has my face on it. And how much revenue are you generating by using me? promote your race and I don't get to see like the money that I earned not even the money from that post but like I don't know it's a little frustrating sometimes and I don't know it's hard to like demonize Spartan as a whole because like there's really great people in the organization but there's clearly just some like weird stuff going on Um, but also I'm sure athletes right now like aren't a priority like that doesn't help them like they need to pay their vendors they need to pay their Mm -hmm. staff you know, and if, if those people aren't getting checks, like, why would I? Like, so I, I kind of get yeah. it. I'm not happy about it, but I get it. That's the tough one to hear, to hear about med, uh, the, the medical personnel and vendors not getting paid because those are generally check one and two that you write mm-hmm. after securing the venue, which I don't think they have to pay for venues anymore. I think they get paid to come in. Yeah. But medical and vendors when they that's the first sign that's the first sign that i've seen that actually worried me all the other stuff i'm like it's spartan joel joel figure it out whatever but if vendors and medical don't get paid that's that's disconcerting a little bit yeah 
Uh, not that that's what we're here to rag on or anything, but no, that was shocking. Not at all. Um, and I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to complain or anything. Uh, I know they have like hard times and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. But just since you asked about the financial situation, that's kind of like I don't count on that money at all anymore. I used to uh, go to a race and be like, if I perform well here, I'm going to get that money, and then I can use that. So if I almost would plan on it, especially if I was really confident. Mm-hmm. Like for North American Championships in 2019, when I won it for the 3K, uh, I bought a motorcycle before I went to that race. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, so I gave him a deposit. And I said, I'll be back with the rest of the money next week. And I went out and I won that race. And then I had, you know, an extra thousand dollars or whatever to, to go buy the motorcycle that I wanted. Um, that was a little more than a thousand though, wasn't it? I was like, no, I bought a, I bought a used. No, I'm talking the, the three K championship. Oh yeah. That was 5,000. That was yeah. insane, especially for like my lifestyle at the mm-hmm. time. Like that went a long ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, even, even now, like if I get paid from some of these races, like that's going to be like a nice cushion. Cause I don't, I'm not like, I don't live like an extreme life or anything. I'm not spending a bunch of money and uh, like our, our rent isn't very expensive either. It's just like, you know, sponsors, sponsors paying an OCR athlete isn't really like a ton right now, at least for me. Mm-hmm. This is my last financial question then for you is, cool. and you don't even necessarily need to respond to it if you don't want, but ballpark, how much do you think is floating out there owed to you right now? Because we've heard of some people have crazy numbers. Are you, like, is it trajectory changing? No, 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 I got paid money? from last year. I fortunately oh, got a hold of the right people at the right time and was able to push something through. Um, if that money hadn't come, then, you know, I don't know if I'd be a part of the series right now. I don't know where I'd be at. Like, that was, like, that was a lot of money. Um, but right now... Uh, from the Spartan organization, I'm at like $5,500. Okay. That's owed. So it's not like a ton, but it is nice to have. Yeah. Um, but that's like 5000 from Spartan Race and then 500 from DecaFit, technically. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I don't know if you get paid from the same place or if there's different people handling that. Uh, I don't know. Same company, though. So let's run Well, I'm glad you got paid from last year. Yeah, me too. Like, uh, there, there's like a couple really competent people in the Spartan organization. Mm-hmm. There's this couple bright like stars that save it. Yes. Um, and they're actually able to getting like capable of getting stuff done. So uh, when you, when you meet those people, you don't tell anybody else about them. You keep them to yourself and you just like, you, you thank them as much as you can every time you see them. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask then, because of, of that, and I assume your answer is going to be no to this question, but um, does it change any uh, ideas or racing plans that you have based on, like, hey, it's more likely that, you know, I get I get paid or this, this organization will do what they said they, they will, as in, like, jumping in Savage Races the second half of the year or finding more... Uh, races like Indian Mud Run, which I know you did once uh, to for fun. Any any pivots there at all or not really? It doesn't change the course of your season. Well, I pursue competition. And that's kind of... That's what's ultimately going to decide most of like my races and stuff like that, where the competition is, mm-hmm. and then whatever excites me at the time. 
Um, this year was a little more competition based, but things have kind of changed. Uh, I had a concrete plan, very solid as to what I wanted to do. Um, and then they announced Spartan World Championships as a super. <laughs> and that changed like almost my entire outlook on this year. What went, what like would never be questioned as an A race at OCR World Championships. Thought about it. Because yes, it's amazing to win OCR World Championships, but also like what's more prominent and what's bigger as far as like the experience and everything like that. Like Spartan Race World Championships is big. And that, that almost means more than OCR World Championships. Not necessarily to me, but just in the sport right now. And the way they're setting up the race and what I've heard, like, that excites me. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, like, I'm going to do everything I can to get there um, and, and compete and be in, like, the best shape that I can. So that kind of changed the structure of my year as far as being the best that I could possibly be for the 15K at OCR Worlds. Now I'm like, how do I try to balance this and, and be the, like, like the perfect version of myself in Abu Dhabi while still being a very, very, very competitive version of myself at OCR Worlds at the same time? Because they're just far enough apart to where you can't really just maintain. you got to kind of play the game a little bit. So uh, that... Um, along with like some of the financial stuff uh, does kind of change how I was approaching my season because um, I was really excited about this series at the beginning of the year and I was putting everything into it um, and I don't know I kind of just like lost a little bit of passion for what I was doing especially having such a long gap between races from San Luis Obispo till Big Bear was a long time and I had nothing going on and Bracken I heard you mention this um I forget which podcast. I think it was like the after Big Bear one on Race Brain. Uh, you were spot on with me 99% of the time. Like, if you have an opinion oh, yeah. about what I'm thinking or how I'm approaching something, like, odds are you're right. Like, you probably identify with me better than anyone else does. And it's kind of cool because uh, people have opinions and stuff, and like, sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong, but you're very consistent and you can kind of like pick up on nuances of what I'm thinking. Like, I lost a little bit of passion for training and going after it because I was just like, I don't know, I wasn't inspired by it and I got kind of bored and I don't know, maybe some like other life stressors contributed to that and I kind of fell off of what was like a really good build going into San Luis Obispo and out of it, like my month of April was pretty solid but almost like right at the end of the month going into May, things just kind of fell apart and I was running once or twice a week in the weeks leading into really yeah okay um, so if you talk i was 99 percent right <laughs> i was a lot less because uh, i was thinking maybe four or five one or two that's not even that's not even side hustle stuff yeah i, I mean and by I, the way i was off the reservation with my guess my guess was you had trained overtrained, in that uh, yeah. you were just a little fatigued still so you're right on that bracket and you being in your head a little more neat yeah, I uh, I don't I don't really overtrain. That's not really in my <laughs> wheelhouse. Uh, I might try it at some point. Uh, do a little overloading at, at the right time. Um, but no, I just I kind of lost the thing about me, and I really respect athletes that can do it. The ones that can train without an event on the schedule, that love the process, mm -hmm. 
I'm not that guy. I don't like running as much as probably anyone in this sport. Like, people love running. And I'm like, I like it, kind of, but I like competing. And I like winning. And, you know, I don't know. I struggle to, to find motivation without having a race on schedule and something to train for. Like, if I didn't have anything to train for, if I didn't have a goal, I probably would stop. I'd probably just do what was fun. You know, run occasionally, uh, only like long runs or you know, fast sprints, things that are exciting. But all of those middle runs of just like 60, 75 minutes of just time on your feet, the dull stuff that just fills most of your week, oh my gosh, it's so boring to me. And I, I, I struggle to, to maintain that. Um, but, I mean... But one to two. One to two is drastic. One to two runs per week. So you're saying from... The end of April, start of May, through Big Bear, you were a lot of one to two runs per week. Let's pull up Strava, I'll tell you. Because if, if that's even half true, that's the least amount of training that any person there put in, in that month. Yeah, let's go back to the beginning of May here. Let's see what we got going on. Yeah, dude, it's like when I lose passion for training, I lose it hard. Like, I just drop off. Um so, I mean, I get it. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I'm just like that. I don't know. I, uh, yeah, so May 2nd through 8th, I ran twice. May 9th through 15th, I ran twice. So I guess that's the two weeks leading in. Yeah, like on my Strava there, those are the ones with like a lot of white space in between. Those are the mm. ones. Um, yeah. I, was, I, I see so you I crammed was, up to a, a third run in the week after that, though. Yeah, dude, the one between Carlsbad. I was yeah, really excited really to train. So I was telling my roommate, I was like, dude, like, I don't like losing, but I feel like that's the one thing that I need. I need to get beat, mm-hmm. like, bad, because uh, I think I hate losing more than I like winning. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it kind of kicked me into gear. Like, I'm inspired right now. I, uh, you know, had a good talk with my coach, and she... Uh, you know, gave me your thoughts and everything and kind of we figured out what direction I want to go and one like not performing to my capabilities in Big Bear and then going to Carlsbad and absolutely just falling flat on my face those back to back like you know slaps in the face were I, I think they needed to happen um, because I kind of got complacent with what is required for OCR which isn't a lot of speed. Like everyone that has speed never actually uses it. Like if you can run a 530 pace and you're strong enough to be there and that's where you're comfortable, you're never gonna go faster than that. Maybe for a moment in a sprint finish or something, but like there's never a time when you're actually touching paces faster than that. Like you can watch slow. Like there's people with more leg speed that would have dusted me in this 5K this past weekend. And where were they? Mm -hmm. You know, like it was just something about the style of racing, like people with a ton of turnover always fall short somewhere. And I don't know exactly why it, but it's just the way it is. Maud, 
That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't listen to the episode yet, but we came up with the term for it, and it's mod, VJ. Bracken, why don't you explain to VJ what mod is? Mod. <laughs> it's not locked into place. But we're no, it's saying locked we need, in. A, we need a term, something about it, and I said your maximum available under duress. Like, whatever that is. The maximum percentage of your real running under duress, but the acronym would be mod. Mod. Nice. You're, you're what, great mod, VJ. So what's your mod score? But whatever that is, that... 1350, 1450, 1550, it doesn't matter as long as you can run 1630 in any condition known to man. Yeah. That's, uh, and 1350 means you're more likely to run 1850 when you're tired. And 1450 means you're more likely to run 1750 when you're destroyed. It's the 1550 guys often that have their only 1550 because they have the other stuff. But some of the sharpest tools we've seen in the sport in terms of speed are the ones that have the most trouble keeping their mod score up yeah dude uh i'd say we're like, making it I'm a thing a, I'm, <laughs> a, I'm a mod specialist yeah uh, that's that's like where i excel um because i can about as fast as i run in a running race like i could run that fast in an obstacle course race that's kind of like my ceiling and and the weird thing that i experienced in carlsbad was i used to do a lot more top end work uh because I was doing even less volume than I am now. So mm-hmm. I used to do a ton of skill work where I was doing, you know, fast 200s, fast 400s, you know, sub 60 second 400s. Those uh, mechanical thresholds you were talking about. Yes, I used to do that a lot. And I took a step back from it for some reason. Um, I don't know, we were doing like hill strides and stuff like that, but I think I was going a lot slower than I needed to and not touching that. And I think it doesn't really matter for obstacle course racing but if i want to be anything outside of that or if i want to actually really step up my obstacle course racing game instead Mm -hmm. of being able to win races be able to dominate races it's something i have to get back to and something i'm excited about too because that was always like one of my favorite styles of training like that that's the exciting stuff that's what's sexy in training it makes you want to come back and and really pursue it Mm -hmm. so the fact that i'm able to add that in now and there's a reason for it and like something to work towards i'm I'm really lit up about it. Like, I'm, I'm excited for That's it. It's interesting. Hobie and Cody, Cody came up, I think, after we stopped recording with Race Brain last week, but about how they used to train. And one thing Hobie did that a lot of people didn't talk about, they talked about his 15 or 20 miles a week. They talked about all his 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 crazy leg workouts. But he would he had a treadmill that could get him down to, like, 359-mile pace or something like that. He had a, he had he had a, a tough tread. Commercial. Is that what he had? Yeah. Yeah, he had, like, not the professional one that I have, but he had, like, the uh, consumer version, but I think it was beef fat, for sure. And he would get on there and do, like, 10 on, 10 off, or 20 on, 10 off of sub-4 pace, and just do a couple rounds of that, and just turn over like crazy. And Cody, what he did, is he used to say, like, Bracken, I don't don't really know what else to do, because I just do my college training except I do half of it in the mountains now. So he was still always doing his, his steeplechase work and his cross-country workouts, and then he'd do his mountain running. So those guys were always touching speed, and they were some of the only people that touched speed. And you were one of the only people who always consistently touched speed, and you stopped. Yeah. But you don't notice it until it's called upon. You don't feel it in a beast necessarily. No. You don't necessarily, but then maybe after six or eight months, you notice it on one extended downhill or to start one race or if you go to Carlsbad. 
the first real time I felt it was in San Luis Obispo. And I thought, like, ah, maybe it's a fluke. But the fact that these guys were toasting me and I didn't feel like I could go. Like, instead of making mm. the decision not to go, I couldn't. That was weird. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I got, like, stuck in this lollygag open stride, which is efficient, for sure, at that pace. But when it came time to, like, lay into it, turn over quickly, that would have been really short-lived. Like, I would have burned out in a minute or less, mm -hmm. you know, because it was just so foreign to me. And when I got to Carlsbad and I took off, you know, I ran 5.10 pace. And that felt so foreign. It felt weird. I was working so hard. And, you know, when I was in high school, like 5.10 pace, like, was, you know, whatever. Like, it was pretty comfortable. Um, it didn't start hurting till later, and that was more of a cardiovascular fatigue. This was, like, like a neuromuscular, like, I don't know if I can even, like, continue moving like this. It felt mm -hmm. so strange. And uh, that was, like, yeah, it was, it was really, really weird. And, um, you know, I know I can do better than that. I have already done better than that in the past. So why would I go backwards like this? Um, so... I think I just got really concerned about, you know, being able to climb and the fact that I have mountains right here. I needed to really prove that I can do that. And mm -hmm. it, I don't know, it ended up being kind of detrimental because I think I was also climbing too much in my week. Uh, like I was climbing often. I was climbing almost every day. Like it might not have been big climbs, but it was consistently like uh, almost every run I'd have 10 minutes of sustained climbing at some point, you know, in that run. Um, along with other shorter climbs throughout. And it yeah. was just a slower... To stay relaxed on a climb, you have to just be turning over slow and be cruising up the hill. And that became kind of standard for me. And I'm, I'm definitely going to be... I also talked to my coach about uh, like how what days to be climbing and how much is considered a lot to her and what she thought and kind of made more of a schedule of when I'll go to the trails and when I'll just accept that I'm going to run either flat trail or be on the road. And, um, yeah, I feel really good about it. I feel like it's the right direction to go, so hopefully. I'm not going to ask you to give away what your coach and you are deciding, but do you think after looking at your own training and what she feels and what you deep down realize do you think that people when they think i need to get better at uphill running are spending too much time doing it i think a lot of people are um like i was on trails climbing you know five of my six running days a week you know and then mm -hmm. one of my other days would be like just running in the neighborhood here or something uh, up the street and it's you think, like, I'm trying to be better at mountains, so why don't I run mountains? Which, I mean, probably works for some people, but for someone like me, like, I left an entire skill set just unattended because I was so concerned with not, you know, being able to perform there. Um, which, I guess, looking at the series, it still doesn't necessarily matter all that much. Um, right. Because we're still going to be at altitude. We're still mostly going to be in the mountains. So why even care? But, like, um, I don't know. It's a big skill set that I wanted to work on, and I feel like it even affected my climbing eventually because when you want to move faster on climbs, you need, like, some of the best climbers. You look at Josiah, he's turning over 
constantly. He's running every mm. climb. And he was out climbing everybody. So having some extra turnover other than your like comfortable like kind of trotting uphill thing is going to come in handy. So um, I felt like I did it so much that it ultimately became like I became stronger. Like I still feel very strong in my fitness, but I don't have like my body doesn't have more to give. Like my legs didn't have more to give. Um, so that's kind of unfortunate. Like I'm operating at like maximum of what my legs can do all the time. Mm-hmm. And they don't have anywhere else to go, but I can do that for a long time. But it's it's weird. I don't know. This is something Macaulay and I were talking about on it because he's he doesn't run any hills anymore. We're, we're over here in Ireland, VJ, and mm-hmm. we're getting I don't know a thousand feet per run. But he said in the last two runs he did it was more vert than any week he's done in three years, and he's having all his you know things twinge on him and hurt. Mm-hmm. But we were talking about the idea that. While hill work can make you faster and it makes you stronger, if it's only hill work, the one drawback is that you it destroys your cadence. Yeah. And that's that big thing that if you're not ripping downhills that are so runnable that you get really high turnover, like 200, 220, then there's nothing in your week where your legs actually get off the ground quickly and you teach yourself this like power you said like lollygagging that you don't have to get off the ground quick which you can run fast with but you can't run speedy like you can run a fast half marathon maybe but that under 10k pace requires low ground contact time and that's the thing that i think you can only learn the hard way kirk have you run into blocks of that ever because i know you and i have both run fast off mountain work but I've always combined it with re- like 220 cadence descents as well. And I think that's been the thing that kept my speed somewhat intact. Even in Colorado, I, I could run a decent eight or a decent mile, I think because of the downhill work. But Kirk, did you run into that ever? No, only because we don't have the luxury of mountains out the door where I've lived at any point. So I'm one, running flat on a regular basis, and two... Every week I look at and I think, where is my flat work going to get in? I, I don't think yeah. I've ever for, I, I don't think I've ever let go of it completely. But I know if I did because I've let it slip at times, it only takes me like three, four weeks of forgetting about it, and then I go out for my first flat fast something in a while, and it's poof gone. So I can imagine if I stayed along that trend for two months between races, uh, my turnover would be out the window. I've just never done it. I've never taken that risk like DJ recently did. Yeah. Were you ripping any downhills, VJ? Um, few and far between. Or are you kind of like cruising and rolling them? Uh, mo- mostly that. Um, occasionally I w- would press. And it was only really uh, when I got closer to Big Bear, um, when I was doing an intensity workout like in the mountains, I would run hard. But I was mostly concerned about the ascents because that's where I lost the race yeah. last year. Or I guess I didn't lose the race, but that was, like, why it was so close. Like, my descending was fine. Um, and this year, like, my descending was okay, but it wasn't as special as it was the year before. And I felt that the whole way down. I was like, I'm not closing really? on these guys. I know that I'm just, I'm maintaining plenty. 
and against you know that pack outside of the top three, I was going to be fine. Like I knew it at the top of the mountain, I had fourth locked up. Like no one was going to challenge me there. But I wasn't trying to close because I didn't feel like I even had it, which was yeah. kind of like a sad realization to have. I was like, I, like there's nothing I can do. And I was moving, and unfortunately, you know, Josiah, I mean, not fortunately, I mean, fortunately for me, unfortunately for him, Josiah failed the rig. Um, and I was able to close in on him and make a pass right at the end with some obstacles. But, yeah, dude, I just, the thing that was always constant with me, and maybe I took it for granted because I used to always work on it, I thought was just a part of me. I thought I just had it anytime. Mm -hmm. Like anytime I can go out and break 16 and 400, like no big deal. Like that's just, I, and I don't know if I could do that right now. So it's kind of, uh, I don't know, a weird place to be because I've always been that guy, I've always been able yeah. to do that. So yeah, I think that's around. a great indicator. I think if, if you as an athlete think back to how it used to be to run a hard 400. And if you think, I'd tie up. You're probably not in your best overall fitness. Even if you're not fast at it, if you think I wouldn't tie up. Because that mechanical efficiency of knowing I could go run a couple hard quarters with rest in between and never tie up, that means you're well-rounded. But if that first or second one would cause that hamstring to start tying up, there's something missing. Yeah. But it's in our sport, in the trails, in the mountains, in ultras, in OCR, it's the last thing most of us think about is, am I keeping on top of my speed work or my mechanical work? Yeah. I mean, there, Kirk, used, to I cut a, you off. there used to be a reason for it though. You know, like this year, there's almost no reason unless you're planning to go out for the Savage series or, uh, you know, you're going to do the three K at OCR worlds, which half of that really isn't required, uh, you know, yeah. top end speed work anyways. Like you're just going up the hill. So, yeah. That feeling you talked about, about not being kind of inspired to race, let's say Big Bear even or whatever, you know, that's the very fe feeling I had recently, why I didn't show up to Big Bear and why I may not pursue the series because of that exact same feeling. The difference between you and me is you, I have more of the luxury of doing whatever the heck I want in the sense where my life doesn't depend on it in a sense. I, yeah. The expectations of me are lower, so it's an easier decision for me to make than it is for you but I the only reason I got to 39 and still competing at somewhat of a high level is because I'm stoked about something at all times and the time when that starts to fade like there's no way you're going to find longevity in what you do unless you keep chasing the next thing that excites you so I actually like understand that and I applaud you for that because it's important and you're young but like that will change and morph like you see these guys out here who are in their 40s doing it or late 30s you got a whole like ride ahead of you that you can't even imagine like you know the ebbs and flows and peaks and valleys of motivation that are going to happen but uh, all that to say i am very curious because no matter how my training went leading into big bear and if i had chosen to do that i don't it didn't light my fire for some reason this year and i had been excited in the past to go there so i don't think it would have translated great to the race course for me and then i hear you say well, I ran twice per week for two weeks leading into Big Bear, and I wasn't that excited about it. And then I see you go out there and you take third place, which makes your uh, performance even more impressive. 
And so what I'm trying to wrap my head around is like, obviously when the gun goes off, you're back and kill or be killed in mindset. It may, must be the competitor in you, but like, what was your mindset going into the race and how did you pull off a third even then? Like it, it, it's more impressive now that I know the facts. So like, well, where were you, where's your head at? I don't know. Like, I'm not trying to make excuses for my performance by any means. Like, I don't think I lost a ton of fitness and I'm a, I'm a really good racer. Like that's, that's probably my biggest strength above everything else is that I can race really well. Um, even if I'm not the fittest, I can, I can make strategy on the, on the go. I can stay competitive. I can move the way that needs to be like, uh, like, I don't think I was losing a ton of fitness in that two weeks prior. I think I could have been sharper for sure. But, um, you know, I can still race well. So I don't, I don't know if I lost anything. I might have. Um, I don't know. We'll never know. But, yeah, I was doing it because I had to, and I was almost counting on me getting beat um, because I know that I don't like that. But I can't just imagine it and be like, oh, well, you know, I don't want to get beat, so let me do this. I needed to get beat um, to kind of, like, stimulate some some jealousy and some like to be a little angry and a little upset because there was no one else to blame for you know uh, uh, that performance than myself it was just me and there was a point in that race where I accepted I wasn't going to finish on the podium and then I got thrown a bone at the end almost two right so yeah I just uh, I'd kind of accepted defeat before I got there but I was going to do everything I could to salvage points because I knew at some point I was going to you know get lit up about training again and, and want to pursue uh, and I wanted to still have a shot at the series which you like I mean, to rub your nose in it huh yeah I mean I didn't necessarily like even now I don't necessarily care about this series as much as I thought I did at the beginning of the year because the series was like everything I was like I'm going to do the series and I'm going to try to win it in straight races you know, I'm going to do it four races, not go to Canada and take some time off and get ready for OCR Worlds. But now I'm like, uh, I don't know. Like, I'm going to do my best and, uh, you know, hopefully I find some things along the way. Like, I'm more excited about, you know, getting my speed back and training for a 5K in September than I am, you know, going to Utah. Like, I'm not, like, I think about Utah and I'm like, dude, I do not want to do that race at all. I'm signed up, I'm pretty sure. I think I'm signed up. I might not be signed up. But I'm probably going to race that race. But I am not looking forward to it in the slightest. Um, I don't know. It's just not exciting. Because we're, we just keep doing the same thing over and over again. And I've been like, like very dedicated, very focused on the singular goal of getting better at this specific task for years now. And it's like there's no, nothing that's changing, not even a little bit of something. If anything, it's like progressing. And the, the races that are exciting, like I'd love to do the Savage Series this year, but it's not worth it for me to travel all that way. And then if I win the series and I put all this effort together, I get $2,500. For someone that is full-time in the sport, like it's not worth it. Like it doesn't mean anything. Uh, maybe in the future, if they get bigger sponsors or something, it will be, but it's not financially like, it doesn't make any sense for me to like do all that work and then come out like $50 ahead. You know, um, yeah. even though that is exciting, like I really enjoyed my Savage races. I want to go back and do more and I might just show up at the final race of the series just to, you know, let everybody know. 
but like I'm not doing a series for that like reason that it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. yeah. So you said we just keep doing the same thing, and I'm tired of going to Utah. <laughs> Big Bear stops exciting me. Obviously, there's the whole conversation of obstacle innovation or just right. getting creative with things. But if that's tabled, and we just think that that's, that might be a pipe dream, what would you do with the series if you were in charge? If they reached out and be like, Vijay, we just feel like you're the man for this. You know what's needed here. Revamp the series for 2023 and make it so that it's exciting and something new for the sport. I'd go one of two right two ways one I'd, I'd either make it the full variety you know where either you go like stadium to beast or you go sprint to ultra mm-hmm. because that's exciting everyone mm-hmm. wants to talk about like ocr athletes being the best all-around athletes or something like that which they're not like that that's a misconception um but that would actually test like a jack of all trades and i know like if i did that i'm probably giving the series to somebody else but that would be more exciting and it would like change things up or I'd revert everything to faster races you can have climbing hilly courses but there's no reason to do a half marathon there's nothing more boring than watching people walk uphill for an hour and a half of a two and a half hour race like I love this sport I've dedicated like my whole life to it and I can hardly make it watching Tahoe you know like watching Tahoe from last year, oh my gosh, it was so boring. Like it was, and it's an amazing thing to be a part of and to race and to compete and everything, but watching it, like, ugh, so dull. Um, so you need to make something that's exciting to watch. And I know everyone's like, you know, San Luis Obispo, you know, the, the, the course wasn't hard or, you know, it was just a running race. Like it was the most exciting race we're probably going to see all year. There were six different people that led that race at some point and a ton of lead changes. And the guy that won it didn't take the actual lead until a half mile from the finish. Like, that's exciting. That's probably going to end up being the most exciting race of the year. And I'm saying, like, if you had a race in Big Bear, um, you know, make it a little more runnable, make it a little faster. Um, Or, like, you can have those steep power hiking climbs, but it doesn't have to be the whole time. Uh, so you can test that skill set. I don't know, just something to make it faster. It needs to be faster. People like to watch the elites go fast. It doesn't look impressive if they're just hiking. Like, mm-hmm. you don't idolize people that are just doing what you're doing. Like, you're doing the same exact thing. So We should make this a round, a round table discussion real quick because I like your, your two suggestions, VJ. Bracken, what would you, if you could change this, I'll answer two. What, what would you do to the series if you could change it? Well, I've been a proponent for probably eight years running now on make the series test out the sport. So either do the most standard distance across it, like two supers, two sprints, two beasts, that's your series. And you've got to race four, so you have to go outside of your comfort zone on one of them. Mm-hmm. Or go the full gamut. DECA, Stadium, Sprint, Super Beast, Ultra. And maybe you don't put DECA in there because that's hybrid racing, but Sprint, Super Beast, Ultra at the minimum. It'd be cool to throw a stadium in, and I, I can't ask for that because that's selfish. But have them do it all. Uh, and and I think it's dependent on what you choose for the World Championship. I think it'd be cool if you did a series like that, if you also had your Mountain Championship, your your Spartan Championship, which, which would be a super distance. 
but but I, I think more variety or all the same distance and hit every single type of course. So you do a slow 10K and then you do a Tahoe 10K and you do a Killington 10K and you do an Asheville 10K and maybe, I don't know. Florida. Florida, something like like Let everyone test it all. You got to give, I don't think anyone should have one crazy advantage unless it's fitness. Like there should be an altitude race. There should be a flat race. There should be a long race. There should be a steep race. There should be a nasty, mucky race. There should be a, a desert race. Like, I think if we really want to make it interesting, you have your criteria. Like, <laughs> earth, wind, fire, like those kind of things. Sand, mud, flat, altitude, mountains. And each year, you just check those five boxes. So your altitude, one year it could be Big Bear. One year it could be Tahoe. One year it could be Breckenridge. Your nasty but not altitude could be New Jersey or Killington or Montana or or go back to Wintergreen. I think people would clamor for that. Your fast could at, rotate between Florida and Texas, and they could go back to Alabama or, or South Carolina. And then your stadium, you can do anywhere. They have so many different styles. But test it all out equally so that no one has an advantage, no one has a disadvantage, and everyone has to go outside their comfort zone. Or make all the distances the same and hit every type of terrain you can do. That's what I'd. That's what I'd love to see. But going to the same course year after year after year is only good if it only happens at one course or two courses. But when you do the same four or five every year, it gets old. Luckily, they expanded a bit this year. But did they really? Because it's all at altitude. It's all mountains. It's like you're just hitting the same course in different states. So I. I think that only excites one type of person. I'd like a race that would ex- equally excite and scare everybody. I, I Everyone should idea. walk in saying, I've got an advantage and I've got a disadvantage and it's going to be cool. Rather than saying, oh, I hit the jackpot. I live at 9,000 feet in the mountains. Or, well, I'm screwed. I live at sea level. Yeah, I'd like to. St- yeah. I like your 10K idea. Everything 10K. That'd be sweet. Personally, yeah, I'd think- even rather see short to long. But whatever it's going to be, a little bit of everything. Everyone should be scared, and everyone should be pumped. I think they got to check two criteria. And, and the ironic thing about this is that I think every year, like, the griping about Spartans' choices becomes bigger and bigger. I feel like it's built the last few years. <laughs> but what's also happened the last few years? The most depth in the men's field that we've had. So, like, from the outside looking in, it's like... We have the competition here, so clearly we're not doing that bad with our choices, right? Because we're still bringing talent out. But I mentioned this on the last Race Brain podcast episode. Um, Spartan has won because they've, they've cornered themselves with all their obstacles. It's always the exact same. So they have one tool in their belt, and it's terrain. And that's the only choice they get to make. And if all the races, you know, Mexico, Utah, Big Bear, and... Uh, Kelowna are all going to be quite similar, I believe. They're all on ski, and even Blue Mountains, all ski hills. Every single one's a ski hill, isn't it? So you have five ski hills. Kelowna might be the only non-ski hill. It's not a ski hill there? Well, point being is they just need to go down, like you said, the earth, wind, fire, water. They need to go around the terrain choices, just like you said. And whether it's two sprints and beasts and supers, whatever it is, it's they need to check those boxes. You just can't. Make, expect people yeah. to travel all the way across the country wherever they're living and go have a different version of the same experience at every place. It just it, it takes the wind out of people's sails. Yeah. And so I'm, I can feel it for sure. I think 
to to pivot from this a little bit, VJ, you're you're in an interesting position because you want to work on your speed and you went and did this 5k and you weren't happy with how you felt or your time or any of that mm. but like nothing really speedy is required of you as far as what you've committed to on the race calendar right in a sense right so there's a little bit of um like conflict there with like self de- like desire and necessity yeah. so like what what is your plan to balance that out if you like wh- what is your intent there what well, do you expect to come from this i'm Moving forward, I want to get my speed better than it's ever been. I'm not just trying to get back to what I was. I'm trying to, like, improve. Because I'm still young, and I should be doing more speed work. Like, if there's a time to be doing speed work, like, I should have been doing it this whole time, and I should be faster than I am now. Um, But, you know, going after OCR requires all these different skill sets and all these different things you have to do that aren't speed. Uh, I mean, there's a certain requirement, but it's not, like, high. Um, You just have to be durable in OCR. You have to be able to take a beating and keep maintaining, you know, your your mod, right? (laughs) Your mod's got to be pretty good. And I've mastered that. I know how to deal with that. Um, I'm to the point where obstacles are, are rests now. They're not, like, I'm not doing compromised running workouts anymore because obstacles don't spike my heart rate. They recover. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I got good at that, and it—I don't know—I kind of became kind of complacent with it, um, and just tried to get stronger at longer things. Um, and for some reason, the speed thing didn't come with that in my mind. I just kind of let it slip. And I was doing, you know, strides and some stuff that could have been turnover work, but I wasn't capitalizing on it and moving as fast as I should. Um, so after Carlsbad, you know, I ran my cool down with Mark Batras and I talked to him about a little bit of the speed work he does and what he has implemented. And it's like, he touches top end stuff all the time, like very consistently. Like, it's not that he's doing like, you know, eight, four and 800 meter repeats all the time, but it's like, he'll do a long run. He'll run a half marathon. He'll come in end it on the track and do an all-out 600, you know? And I never do anything like that. I used to. When I was, like, when I was going to train with Rich every Tuesday, he used to just throw stuff at us all the time. Be like, all right, we're about done with the workout. Let's do an all-out 400 or let's do an all-out mile or something. We'd, we'd, We'd do it all the time. I didn't really think about it. And now that I do think about it like that's why I was always comfortable getting up to speed and just going for it and I I'm not comfortable there anymore what used to be comfortable and like mentally I feel like I should still be able to do that when I touch that it's like oh my gosh and I tried to blame that on altitude at first mm-hmm. you know oh, I just can't touch speed because of an altitude but I can't even touch speed for a short time you know it's just not there so I'm I'm gonna do this work and try to get faster because I need it for later. If I don't develop like really like top end stuff now, I'm not gonna do it when I'm you know mid thirties. Like now's the time. I mean, like the last few years were really the time, but you know, better late than never. So I'm trying to figure that out. Uh, plus, I'm just trying to improve my running game overall. Like I'm a good enough runner for OCR, 
which is fine, but also like if I ever want to do anything more than just this, like I need to definitely step up my game. Um, so I have some, you know, 5Ks on the schedule. I have some mountain races on the schedule. Like I'm going to be doing a couple Cirque series. I'm going to Broken Arrow, um, just cool. to like experience. Like I'm experiencing those things. I know that I'm not going to be competitive right now, but I want to know what it feels like and 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 how fast those people are moving and what it takes so that I can emulate that when it comes time to like train and, and, and get good enough. So I know what the standard is because I, uh, you know, you, everyone looks at mountain races like, Oh, I do mountain races and I do pretty well in OCR, but like these guys are a different caliber. You go to just running and these guys are insanely fast. They just, they, they, their legs just keep turning over at the same cadence, the whole freaking race. They don't slow down. You know, they don't power hike nearly as often as we do. They're insane. So I want to go experience that, you know, get my ass handed to me there too. And, uh, you know, if I decide to go that route, then, you know, I think I got a better shot there than trying to get into road running. Like, no way. I think what you experienced is what almost every runner experiences when they move to altitude, which is altitude has a way of convincing you that speed is not touchable. It just... It's easy to let speed go because you try to do it and you think, oh, I can't, I just can't run fast up here. And I had the, I had that happen and I had a talk with a coach and he was like, you know what we just did is if we wanted to run mile pace, instead of running 400s, we ran 200s. If we wanted to run 3K pace, instead of running 800s, we ran 400s. If we wanted to run 400 meter pace, instead of running 200s, we had them run 100s. We took the same rest as we normally would, just cut it down to whatever distance you can manage and you still have to run your speed and it took me two years to get that talk through my head that man i still have to do speed it is possible i just have to change what i expect it to look like but it's mandatory on some level but every single person goes through that and in the grand scheme of things like you're you're learning it young mm-hmm. and, and in your mind currently and i don't want to put words in your mouth but this is my time to do speed. When I'm later on, you know, I won't need it as much. But you're going to get into your 30s and realize your strength work doesn't take as much unless you do some speed to supplement it. And so it's going to be mandatory in your 30s. Then you get to your 40s, and guys got to go out and run twos and fours just to be able to turn over in a half marathon. Mm. So it's one of those lifelong skills, but we all let it go for a while, and then we all quick try to scramble and get it back. And the good news is it comes back really quickly. It just comes back slower each time. Yeah, I um, I'm kind of glad I did this 5K because I probably wouldn't have put in a ton of work on this um, without it. So, I think by the end of the year, I'll be capable of a lot more because uh, like fitness will be better, but also like the skill sets will be better. Um, and we talked about it in the episode. If you had like five weeks, you'd run 35 seconds faster. I, I mean, it really won't take you much. I feel like the standard for being considered a good runner uh, amongst the OCR field is being able to run a sub fifteen minute five k. So that's the goal, which I don't feel like is outlandish. It's not insane by any means. Um, it just requires a lot more work, and I haven't run just just a running five k. Uh, I mean, I did one last year, but it was in the snow, and we were just kind of like figuring it out. Um, but I don't do like all out sustained efforts like that. And I found that's a skill set that I really don't have either. 
because I've grown accustomed to rest in races. I run intervals, mm-hmm. and I'm really good at intervals. So I run intervals better than anybody, and I can recover on monkey bars, and then I can do my next interval. So I can recover in you know, 10, 15 seconds, and then go out and do another 800, uh, just about as fast as I did the last one. And it's great for what I'm doing, but it's only good for that. So yeah. I'm curious as to if I start putting in the more sustained just running work, if that's going to affect my you know, really highly skilled interval work that I've developed. Um, so this I'm is the fun stuff. See. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see if it changes anything. Um, if I get worse at OCR or if I'm better and I just maintain that skill set, if it's just ingrained, I don't know. Maybe I'll have to start doing compromise work again. Uh, well, it's going to be interesting. They, I mean, you're going to have to avoid doing what you avoided doing already or what you did do. And I think you know that. But it's yeah. when you went into your hill block and you let speed go, your speed suffered. If you go into speed and you don't comp, you almost have to do compensation. Like it's not just adding one thing. It's also adding the thing that you're trying to add resistance to. So you didn't do compromised running for a while. And now you go on a running emphasis block. You almost have to add compromised in a sprinkle of it just to balance it out. It's like lifting with running. If you just go lift and then go back to running, you're going to be a worse runner. But if you run the whole time, you can get stronger and not gain weight. I, I think it's going to be, you're going to find the exact same thing. And I know that your coach knows what she's doing and you know what you're doing. So it's the, it's the fun part is the, how do I balance the ingredients? So I never leave anything totally out, but I use just enough of that hint of whatever so that it's there when I need it. And you have to mess up once or twice to find out what is my bare minimum and what is too much. Yeah. I'm, uh, I don't know where that's going to be. <laughs> so this is kind of like an experimental phase. Like I know I'm going to be really fit when it comes to time, um, which I think I'm decently fit now. I mean, I still podiumed in a national series, so I'm not complaining by any means. And I think I ran about as well as I could have in my current condition. Like there's no excuses. Like that was as good as I could do right now. Um, Watching you cross that finish line, I agree. That's as good as you could have done on that day. If there's yeah. a man who sold his soul on course, I would argue that it was you more than anybody else I saw across the finish line. You can't fake how you looked, which Dude, is a compliment. Thank you. Um, yep. Winning is the easiest. Second, third, fourth, those are the most painful experiences physically because you're working way harder because you're giving everything you have. Usually the person that wins, like there's exceptions. Like you look at me in Big Bear last year, that was everything I had, and it happened to work out. But but you got some adrenaline pumping too. That's true. It was Adrenaline like, doesn't pump in fifth place when you're no. getting past. So <laughs> nope. it was, it, I, I always like, I don't know, whoever's the most comfortable is the one that wins, and winning is comfortable. Like you're... within yourself you're controlled you're doing your thing you're fine it's hard but it's fine but it's not painful the same way that like if you're fighting for giving everything you have to finish you know third which was me because Josiah was catching me on that bucket carry so Mm -hmm. I was just like that was such a weird experience dude I was running as hard as I could and I was trying to move really quick going into the spear throw and I was hiking and it was like 
ten percent great. Everyone and I'm did. Like, oh but my not gosh, everyone. I'm working. Atkins was. Atkins looked when the way he was bent over, it looked like it was thirty percent. And then the camera stood up with him, and you realized it was a slight uphill. Yeah, people were smoked. Nothing. That was it was tough because he took it Emma like it was the be. only one who looked good. <laughs> Dude, she never doesn't though. She's a machine. She's, a She's uh. got like. The only person I've seen with a turnover like that is Logan, because Logan's turnover never changes. Like, you can throw him through any terrain, anything, and it's just like, just constant. It's it's like you got this little machine next to you. It's kind of frustrating. And she kind of has that. She just doesn't break. Doesn't break form, no matter what happens. She's a powerhouse. 30 burpees, okay. 30 burpees again, nah, not breaking it. Just right back, right back to, like, exactly what she was doing before. It's impressive. It's, it's going to be a problem. Yeah. You know what, VJ, you've you've had to earn and you've right right out earned your wins and your good performances every single time. You have not received a gift in quotes once that I can think of until maybe Josiah failing the rig. I mean, yeah. everybody receives gifts in this sport constantly and that's not nothing you can beat yourself up about. It's just like the way the sport works. I'd say you were due for one. And, and I also wanted to follow up, um, as far as your 5K goes, you ran roughly around 16 minutes, I think, in Carlsbad, which we didn't, yep. I think, touch on, right? What, what is your best 5K? And I know it's been years and you haven't focused on it, so we take that into account. But even your younger self, who wasn't as good at this sport, you know, a few years ago as you are now, how fast were you running a few years ago? Um, I never ran a 5K for time. I only did three mile for, like, cross country okay. in high school. So I sure. ran on and we ran the same hilly course every year we didn't get to go anywhere flat um which was like our local it was very similar to mount sack without as long of a second climb i don't know if you guys ever ran mount sack invitational um but it's got like a a couple beefy climbs like three different climbs in the race um i ran a 15 20 something Right, so on a hilly three mile. Yeah, I think I was capable of uh, being in the fourteen fifties at that time if I ran like a flat, fast invitational. But we never went anywhere. We just ran the same spot. Uh, So I would say I was in like fourteen fifty five shape on a on a very flat course. Which would equate to like fifteen thirty in a five k fifteen thirty. 1535 maybe yeah so i mean i'm not not super far off what i was in high school um which is kind of weird because (laughs) i don't know i can do so much more now uh Mm -hmm. as far as like longer races and the skill sets that i have but yeah kind of weird i mean that's that's the nature of running though i mean my my high school mile time i don't think i could touch right now but i couldn't have run i couldn't have finished a half marathon in high school. Although you know, I my high school two my mile. mile at OCR stars. You ran a good one. That no was doubt. just in October, wasn't it? September? Two years. The first uh, one. No, the first oh, one. Oh, two years ago. Okay. Yeah. He and Botcher spiked up and went at it. Yeah, 1420 something? Or 420 he, something? He spiked up, but his spikes came off 100 meters in. Both. <laughs> what? <laughs> How the, does that happen? So the Did you flat tire him, VJ? The bottom of his spikes flew up off of his shoes. Just the plastic bottoms of his shoes were He gone. lost his spike plate? 
Yeah, both of them. That's you what happens when you let a set of spikes sit in your closet for 15 years and then you pull them back out. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. That's so funny. He was basically so running he in just... socks. Yeah. <laughs> you can't stop. That's, That's awesome. amazing. Yeah. You got a couple pairs on your shoe wall bracket that might do that to you if you put them on your feet. Yeah, that's that actually has me worried. I might have to get a new pair of shoes, Kirk. <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, I want to split some hairs with you, uh, VJ, in regards to your training uh, coming yeah. up. We like to talk that a little bit without giving it all away. Um, what what does that look like? Because you know we can talk in theory, like I'm going to do more speed work, and and we know mm-hmm. you're going to keep your climbing in the mix in some regard. I trust you're not going to let that go completely. Um, because of the race is coming up, but like, what would that look like? Like transitioning to speed, um, like how the weekly week would be set up. Like, what are you, what are you thinking in that regard to get faster? Everybody wants to know how to get faster. BJ. I think my turnover can be improved even on easy runs. Um, it's not just like, Oh, I'm going to start adding in two hundreds. You know, I am for sure, but I'm also not going to be constantly in, the slower climbing, you know, power stride that you get trail running. Because I was running trails every day, constantly, like my recovery runs had climbing, my hard workouts had climbing, my long runs, tons of climbing. So I'm trying to get into a more like structured approach to what days are gonna have climbing. Just like I would structure, this is gonna be an easy day, this is going to be an intensity workout. I'm going to pick which workouts are going to contain climbing and which ones are going to be relatively none or just like low. Um, because you just have a more efficient turnover when you're running on the road. It's a different style of running. So I'm going to start doing that more often, more in the easier runs and recovery days, along with occasionally during the week throwing in some faster repeats. Um, so, for example, like Tuesday is usually my first running day of the week. Mondays are off. Um, that'll be like 60 to 75 minutes. But towards the end of that, I'm going to start doing, you know, faster 200s, aiming, you know, 30 seconds or less on those versus when before I'd probably just get down to 450 pace, you know, where it's faster but it's not really challenging. I'm going to start having longer rest and really laying into like touching top end speed because I need to push that up like it's I I used to do this so much it feels ridiculous to be talking about it like some new revelation but it's just like I just neglected it so that's one of the changes that's going in in the week Um, and for a while we were alternating efforts we would have hill efforts one week and then the next week would be more flat based Um, but still maybe some rolling hills and I'm going to kind of keep that up to where we're alternating, especially moving forward. Um, I don't I like think, that a lot. Yeah, so one week, like this, let, let's look. Let's see what we got this week. As you know, Bracken, I, that's what I do with my athletes. You've seen the plans. I think it's important to alternate, yeah. I yeah. just scripted six different people last week. That alternate We're moving to a block of flat intervals week one, uphill week two, flat week three, uphill yeah. week four. Yeah. I think it's a powerful way to do it all. I like it. And you yeah, can so sprinkle in the opposite within doing. your long run over the weekend, and you can have a nice little cohesive plan. There's only yeah. so many days. Everyone, mm-hmm. talent, genetics, top-end speed, recovery abilities, there's only seven days in a week, and there's only 24 hours in a day. 
everyone is going to come around to some of the same tricks for fitting more things in. Yep. Yeah. For sure. It's alternating so, and it's having finishers or mid-workout stuff or starters. Like That's all you can do. It's before, during, after, or alternate. There's really no other options. Yeah, and I'm not doing a ton of intensity in the week. Like Some people will do two intensity sessions and then like a long run on top of that. I have one day that's like really dedicated to intensity on, on Wednesdays, and then sometimes I'll have integrated stuff into the long run. Uh, mm-hmm. Most every long run now, like when we were really just building volume, building fitness there, no intensity or maybe some like short 30, 45 second like efforts towards the end. Now we're in like starting to put like bigger efforts into the long runs. Um, but like, yeah, this week was uh, six by 90 seconds and six by 60 seconds uh, with equivalent rest in a 75 minute run. That was like the intensity session of this week just to get back into the rhythm of things. Not like a super hard workout, but good. Is that like jog recovery? Like you just rolling yeah. warm up, like run 15, 20 minutes, roll into the workout, jog yeah. recovery, roll out of the workout, almost like exactly. fartlek style, but really dialing back on your recovery effort pace. Yeah. Effort. Yeah. So I would, I was running at like seven miles an hour for my recovery intervals and then pushing it up to, uh, my treadmill has an issue where it goes faster than it says it's going. So at 10 minute mile, at six miles an hour, where you should be running a 10 minute mile, you're actually running a nine minute mile. And I'm, I have to find a way to calibrate it because I don't know what's, I, for a while I was running paces that like, I know I can sustain this. Why is it so much harder here? And you're actually running like, you know, 20 seconds per mile faster. Um, so I don't know exactly how fast I was going. I was Maybe somewhere. Nordic Track took over their calibration. <laughs> Seriously. Nordic track has a similar thing. Only Going their incline hill. trainers. Their incline trainers, even flat, are wrong. Their regular ones seem to be correct. I don't get it. I feel like a POS <laughs> on mine all the time when I'm climbing comparatively. Oh, talking like a like if you did the 15-15 test, you'd score at least a tenth of a mile better on a regular treadmill than you would on your Nordic track. My last wow. run. Done that. Yeah. My last run before coming over to Ireland, I did a 60-minute cutdown. And I finished, and I was going totally by feel, but I finished at a pace that was like fourteen hundred and eighty calories per hour. So I set it flat because I was running at six percent. I set it flat and put it to fourteen eighty or whatever it was, and I'm, I was guessing this has got to be around five fifty to six minutes, and it was seven thirty pace. I was like, "You've <laughs> got to be kidding me! I am so terrible." And then I came over here and I did a five mile out, five mile tempo back on rolling terrain. And I was running, I looked down, it was 5.50, 6 minutes. I'm like, okay, thank you. Thank you, God. <laughs> because otherwise, if I'm threshold at 7.30 right now, like, that's it. <laughs> this is terrible. It's over. Yeah, so when I was doing those 15-mile-an-hour repeats last year, I don't know how fast it was. Like, it was could have been, like, I thought it was at 340 pace. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, so it makes sense why it was so difficult. But yeah, every Wednesday, that's my intensity day. I'm alternating every other week. Um, and just shout out Megan Roche. She's, she's been coaching me uh, all through last year, and now this year. Uh, swap training, she's a beast. Um, what, kind of, what kind of talk did Megan give to you? And you're like, coach, I've been running twice a week. And she knows your, cap- she knows your top end potential. You, does she, you get slapped around a little bit, or, or she, she understand? So... 
one of my biggest fears when I first started working with them is like they're very positive all the time. Like the most positive people you'll ever meet. Like you're amazing. Keep it up. You're killing it. And that doesn't necessarily work for me always. Like I need someone to be like, hey, you're sucking right now and you got to step it up. Like little Diaz. Little yeah. Diaz. <laughs> you know, like, um, like you don't want to feel like a total piece of shit, but you want to be told that like you can do better. So do better. Right. Um, and I, I've heard that her husband is more so like extra positive all the time. Um, but I don't know. She doesn't, she's not like hard on me by any means, but she, I guess like kind of validates what I'm saying and understands. And then it's like, well, this is what we can do moving forward. Uh, I told him just not like, I just wasn't very excited about things and I don't know. Uh, but I don't feel, I feel like we have really productive conversations when we chat. Um, and I feel like she understands me to where, uh, if I express a concern, like I know it's heard and I feel good about it. So, um, yeah, she didn't, like, like, she didn't give me like a, like a kick in the pants or anything about like, you need to get it together or or something along those lines, but just kind of adapted to what I was saying and what I wanted to integrate moving forward to just keep me interested. Um, plus I'll probably add an extra race or two as a part of training, uh, moving forward because I can't have these super long gaps between racing. Cause I like racing. Um, like if there was a six month gap to a race, unless it was a world championship, I probably couldn't maintain consistent training. Like there's no chance. Mm. Um, but also something I'd never do in training is time trials, which really? might be a big issue. Um, so I told her, like, I'd like to get some, like, if I don't sign up for races, I'd like to have some time trials or have something that I can kind of measure with because I never do any time trials. Uh, I haven't, I don't think I've ran a time trial since 2018 maybe. Um, so I don't, I haven't done anything like that, which I do like doing that. I don't know why I kind of stopped, but yeah. That seems to be the theme right now. Yeah. Yeah, I stopped doing mm-hmm. what I like to do uh, in order to do what I thought I had to do. And not necessarily, I think I just, uh, the pendulum swang too far. Uh, when I, I just got to mash them together. Balance. Yeah, we're, we're working on it. And I think we found a good formula moving forward. Um, I'm confident in it because I, I know I can perform well at races. I've already done it. So just got to capitalize. Well, and you yeah. still are performing well at races. It's more like yeah. you're at the point in your career where, like, winning is sort of the main objective here and everything yeah. you do, and so you need to dissect a little more. Yeah, because you're still performing well. We all know that. Yeah. And if you I, look I at the spectrum of races, yeah. you had two wake-up calls at this end of the spectrum. And Spartan race takes place on this side of the spectrum. So you had two of the most obscure races, Carlsbad and Slow, that you'll find in the sport, which I think is going to be great for you because the lessons from that are going to bulletproof the other end of the spectrum. But I know it, like two in a row feels like a pattern, but it's probably just more of con- first one showed me something, the second one confirmed it. Probably not going to see a course like this for another year unless I choose one, but it's good to know. It was a good reminder. Would, it's, I, I haven't raced Utah since 2019, I think. 
Uh, so I haven't done the beast. Have either of you done the beast? That's were you there? So someone I've done told the me super it's more a couple runnable. Of times. Someone told me it's more so. runnable than Big Bear, and based on what I've seen, I would have assumed it's just Big Bear for thirteen miles. <laughs> There's two parts. The way they started it last time, you got Ten one parts. part of the mountain and the other part. So you got okay. climbs here and climbs here. The first part, first half to two thirds, was runnable. Hawk like fifteen percent grade. Hawk stuff, just dropped right? everyone. And then the stuff you saw on mm-hmm. a lot of the coverage on the second half was Rylan and Atkins power hiking up that creek bed. Yeah. And that was all nasty. But from everyone I've talked to, they have runnable sections and they have hikeable sections. And there's okay. a good chance you're going to spend some time runnable. Well, that sounds good. Sounds more positive. I thought it was just going to be like 40% up, 40% down for a long time. You know the less steep <laughs> climb of Tahoe that I think we all ran the entire way up anytime they've given it to us in the front end? It's like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. like that first climb, like very runnable okay. from what I understand, yeah. All right. That climb enough. is the day I realized Chris Brown is a cyborg, to use a Yancey term. Yeah, dude. He ran up that with that turnover you're talking about, mm-hmm. just prancing right up there quick. As and I'm you want to know... Like a, 130 steps per minute on my end and he looked like he was at 190 and you want to know who keeps speed work in his programming every week chris brown fast fast work yep that's a quick dude so you're the youngest person i've ever asked this to Mm -hmm. but you have accomplished as much as almost anyone other than a handful of people in the sport could ever hope to attain and so the the idea of legacy actually enters the conversation with you, even though you're not even 30, not even close to 30. Mm-hmm. But if we've talked to the Atkins about this. We've talked to Hobie. We've talked to Albin. We've talked to people that are actually at the legacy point or past. But in your mind, what are those things you've stacked up on your shoulder? I can't be considered the best until x y or z happened are you looking at it one at a time or do you have this overarching my career arc must include these um well i don't know depends on how long the timeline is you know because i think eventually you know when i'm like mid late 30s i'll probably you know give ultras a try you know but any time in the next like until i'm 30 you won't see me on the start line of an ultra unless someone like you know dared me to do it, and I didn't train for it. I just go and I go out and do it for no reason, which I really struggle with. I struggle with doing things for fun versus doing things to win. Um, mm-hmm. That's why I don't really like sign up for things that I don't think I can win. Um, I don't know. Like I think there's certain championships. Like I need I need to win the 15k at Worlds. I need to win the Spartan World Championship. Um, but one thing that I think would really set me up to be considered like one of the best, if not the best, is I have to beat Albin in the 15K. That's like, that's a standard. Because in my mind, he is the best. Like, and there's, like, in my mind, there's no question about it. So, in the pure obstacle racing, pure obstacle racing, like, at OCR Worlds in the 15K and especially at Stratton Mountain, he is the best. 
I, there's if nine times, ten times out of ten, I would choose Alvin to win that race. And I don't know if I even have the caliber like in myself to do that. But ultimately, that's the goal. I think I can take him in a three k. I think that's is possible. everybody is everybody in this sport been humanized in your eyes at this point? Um, some people have superhuman traits, but I understand how a lot of people do things now. Like Atkins' ability to recover, I don't know if I'll ever be able to do that. Like I can't bounce back to back like that. I was destroyed after Big Bear last year, and then we went into Spartan Games, and he was still like dangerous as if he was fresh on everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm dying. I thought like, oh, maybe I'll survive it. And after the first day of Spartan Games, no way, dude. I was so hammered. Yeah, you um, gave it to him in one regard that first day, though. You got to feel good about that. Yeah, not too bad. Um, yeah. I was pretty happy with that. But, I mean, his ability to bounce back like that and then still be competitive across, like, such a wide variety. But now we're starting to see other athletes that can do that, too. Like a Mark Godet, who can go win a 24-hour ultra, but also he'd go smash me in a 5K right now if he wanted to. Like, he could do that. And there's other athletes, I'm sure, like Mark Batches is, is getting on the verge of being able to do that. He already had an insane performance. Um, I think in a year or two, he's going to be incredibly dangerous um, in all 24-hour events. So, I don't know. I you think Mark is just scratching that. the surface of his ultra stuff? I think so. That's scary, yeah. huh? Yeah, I don't know if he'll be able to do it in the mountains yet, but I think that's where... Because I, I don't think anyone could beat him, and like what he did at uh, World's Toughest Mudder. That was insane. He looked so fast in hour 20, 22. It's I've, ridiculous. It's hard to fathom. Um, yeah, Aren't all these yeah. talking points that you're bringing up about Atkins' ability to recover and some of these people's raw speed, and here you are saying, like, I don't possess any of these things as as well as some of these other people do like for me that would be a point of pride like standing in your shoes being like you know what i'm not a 1435k'er i can't recover it day in and day out like an atkins i'm not the fastest to the top of the mountain every time but you know what i still kick your ass so doesn't that speak to your grit and your raceability and your yeah, I, race IQ. Do you know what I mean? Like, isn't there part of you that is proud of the fact that there's other people doing these specific skills that maybe you can't, but at the end of the day, like, you're the one crossing first most of the time? Like, for me, that'd be a point of pride. You understand where I'm getting at? For sure. To an extent, yeah. Um, and I mean, a lot, of, a lot of obstacle racers would say that jokingly uh, when they go to a running race, like, oh, I needed, I needed a sandbag carry in that race or something, you know? Uh, then I would have you know, done really well. But in, in reality, like, that's that's true for me. Like, there's plenty of people, like, if we took the top, you know, f- 10 guys in, in, you know, North America for OCR right now, I probably wouldn't win, you know, a half marathon. I probably w- wouldn't win a 10K. But when you throw obstacles in there, like, the percentage just keeps going up on whether I'm going to win or not. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, to an extent. But also, I don't like... I used to be thought of as kind of a faster guy, you know, I just wasn't strong, 
and now that I'm strong, I'm not fast. And it's kind of weird. And I hate that I kind of left that behind because I, I don't know, I feel like I should have been so much a, just a much more developed runner at this point uh, on its own, just that skill set, which uh, I think I am in some degree, like to some standard I am, but in other ways I'm not. Uh, I feel like I've left a lot on the table and I have a lot more to give. So uh, I'm hoping that in pursuing that, it improves my OCR game, becoming a better overall runner and being able to you know, run a 1445K means something when I get to OCR because so far it hasn't. Everyone that comes in with a fast 5K time, they're not on the podium very often, you know? Um, and it takes time for them to learn it. But it's always intimidating when it comes through. But imagine if, like, I can do that, but I can also go win an obstacle race. Like, it must, like I hope that that's a possible balance, and that's, like, the goal, I would say. Yeah. Well, it can't hurt, right? If you're no. already good at OCR and you get faster, it can't hurt. No. And I feel like that, that I'm not near a ceiling. I feel like I've just neglected some skill sets. So if I can capitalize on those and really develop, like, it might be kind of shitty to say, but I don't want to just win races. I want to start destroying races. Like, I want to just demolish to the point where it's ridiculous. Um, Embarrass you know, like Alabama's back. Yeah, I feel like Alabama. I can. You know? It, it's been there. Like, in 2019, I was on something on those faster courses. I had good speed. Like in Seattle, I look at that, and that's one of my like most proud moments. One from like it's your best race to shift. date, by the way, best race to date for sure you've ever had. And one from a mentality standpoint, like I was strong enough to keep going, but also like fitness wise, holy crap! Like I was able to run back after thirty burpees like that, not in a long mountain race, but in a flat, fast super. I was I'm still very impressed by that. And I feel like there's more of that to be had. Like, I, I can do that. Um, and I feel like I just, I neglected it a little bit, and I felt like I really had to become this climber because I just never really had that. Um, and I don't feel like that's going to go away, and I don't feel like those worlds are so separate. It used to, like, I don't know where I developed the idea or if I heard other people say it, that you can't be fast on flat and good in the mountains like maybe it was because everyone said that I was good and flat and not on the mountains. Maybe I developed like you can only be one or the other when that's not true at all. Like, no, you can't be a world-class 5K athlete and a world-class mountain runner, but you can be pretty damn good at both. Um, so yeah. that's like the goal. And I feel like I, I stepped up one thing, but the other thing came down versus bringing them both up at the same time. So the goal is to just like, bring this back up to this level and then continue to progress both at the same time um, because I kind of figured it out figured out how to train for the mountains and what I need to do and what works best for me so just get the speed back and you know do that be good at all of it why not have you have you ever regretted moving to altitude have you ever thought you know mm. everyone says altitude is the holy grail but I can't be me up here and I'm trying to be someone else. I'm not trying to put any thoughts in your mind, but I thought that constantly up there. Is there ever that thought of maybe I just need to go back to sea level and hammer speed? I have thought that. Um, 
not necessarily like, oh, I'm going to move back. I never made that decision. Right. But at times I was like, I'm better than this. And it's really tough doing workouts all the time and not seeing numbers that you agree with. To go out and mm-hmm. do a 30-minute tempo and look down and be like, I'm running 6.30 pace right now. What is happening? Like, I, I did a 10-mile a aerobic time trial where my heart rate like was capped at 148 I could not let my heart rate get above 148 and I did a 60 minute time trial at sea level and I was over 10 miles that blew my mind stoked and now I'm running that at altitude for a 30 minute tempo at intensity (laughs) (laughs) so it it feels weird because like I don't know, just used to do so much speed work, and that was like how I gauged myself. Like I'd look at my pace, and now I can't really look at my pace. I have to judge it off effort, um, mm-hmm. which I think I leaned too far into that as well. You know, Some of the things at altitude that you had to accept at first, I let it define what altitude was after I'd already become acclimated. Right? Instead of being like, I'm going to get to the point where I can do what I did at sea level here, I then was just like, you can never do that do what you've been doing when you first moved here so like my first six months of being at altitude are the same as what i've been doing now versus evolving mm. and i don't know i like it clouded me so i have had the thought of you know i'd like to be able to smash some workouts at sea level because it feels really good but ultimately i know i can be better up here uh, mm-hmm. but i'm just going to start day. yeah i'm going to start training like i'm at sea level a little more than what I was before. Like I need to, I need to have some sea level workouts. I need to move fast. I need to attack some stuff um, more. Don't be lazy. Don't accept being a slow turd. Slow but fast. Be fast. Just fast. Are yeah. you still living at seventy five hundred feet, or did you move from that? Abode? We moved down a little bit. Uh, we're like, we're almost in Manitou. We're like, you know, old Colorado City, uh, Bracken. Yeah, yeah. That's I'm like right near there, um, so I'm like five minutes from Red Rocks, ten minutes from the incline. I'm staring at Pikes Peak from my uh, my counter, where I. Are you in the sketchy oatmeal. part? Or are you in the acceptable part? I'm in an acceptable part, not in a right. sketchy part. But the sketchy it's part's a little not. sketchy over there. Sketchy by Red part Rocks. is not far enough away. Yeah, right. I'm like a. Two I wouldn't or three. park my car for runs in some of those spots when I lived out there. <laughs> two or I'm like. I'm like a, a good three to four minute drive away from being in a questionable area. Yeah. Let's put it that way. But the area that I'm in right now is pretty nice. Like we're right near Kissing Camels. So like okay. where all the really big houses are. So right when they get a little smaller, that's where we're at. Um, so It's a good spot to be. We're in a great spot. This is a killer spot. Are you in an Adobe like, house? No. <laughs> no. No, so you're under not. six, like 5,500 5, feet or so. So you're no, kind of living and I'm, training at the. I'm still like six thousand. Let me. Oh, it's still up there, always. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm like a thousand feet less. I'm probably around like sixty five hundred, sixty four hundred. Okay. Something like that. So it's still pretty decent. And every time I go around a trail, like I still pop up above that. But yeah, cool. So if we're looking ahead, some of the non. So we all know your schedule, like the. Maybe most likely the Spartan National Series still. Um, I'm in the same position with Utah. 
uh, waffling over if I want to go or if it excites me enough. So I feel yeah. you there. But um, maybe doing maybe doing the series, maybe not. But then you said you're going to jump into some faster stuff potentially and maybe some shorter quick races or time trialing. Like, what does that look like more specifically? Do you have anything on your calendar yet or are you just now sort of sorting that out? Well, I have some mountain races in the schedule. Yeah. Uh, I haven't decided exactly where I'm going to go for um, some faster just like running races, like road races. I'm trying to figure out where there is competition. It's like mysterious. How do you find which races are fast and which are not? Like it's like I don't know how to find it, like fast races. Honestly, finding just running races are really difficult. Unless you get like word of mouth and someone tells you about it, you don't know. It's Running in the pretty, USA, right, Bracken? Isn't that where you go? Yeah, but they don't tell you. Ultras, you at least know who's coming and how strong they are with ultra sign-up. But in 5K, 10K, like you said, it's it's word of mouth. Or Really what you have to do is you got to get to some low-level college races and run unattached. Good you idea. can do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to reach out to, like, uh, who do you got over there? Um, you got... Isn't there something like Colorado Community College and you've got... There's Col- Colorado College is right here. They have a running program. Yeah. I run on their track all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that might be a move. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, races. There'll be some at, uh, I think, once or twice a summer, there's something at Cheyenne Canyon High School where there's open races. Okay. you got to find those where you can run unattached in, like, the, the medium heat of a college race. Didn't you run a mile on the track or some race on the track in a competitive atmosphere? You did something a year or two ago, didn't you? Or am I mistaken? Oh, at the, I think in the beginning of 2019, maybe 2020, the beginning of 2020. You ran a race. race. I, I signed up for a 1500 at like a local, like all comer meet that was a mm-hmm. qualifier for indoor state. And I just went out there in like January uh, and just threw down like a 1500. That was fun. It was my first 1500. Never done it. Outdoor. outdoor. I bet oh, I okay. bet you'd be more, if it were me, like I think, what would make me a monster? And I really think if I went back and trained like I did in college track and showed up to track races, I would find a level that I can't reach on my own. And I bet you, you would, you would find the same. I also bet that you'd be more nervous at the start line of a collegiate 5K as an unattached than you would at any national series start line. I would be shitting my pants mm-hmm. if I had to do that at this phase of my career that would be good for your growth man it really would what kind of pace do you have to run to be good enough because i don't want to go out there and just be like a minute slower than everyone else in the field you submit a seed time and then all the heats are ranked by seed time so you could submit so you could submit 1604 or 1550 you submit what you think you could hang with and then they put you in a heat with the times closest to yours show up in 1450 shape tell them i run 16 come out look like a hero look like a champ yeah there we go <laughs> it's um, always better to be off the front than off the back that's true uh so i'm gonna figure that out i was actually looking i thought i'd be able to find something easier than i did but i've just been scrolling through different races and i'm not necessarily inspired yet um i also don't know where i want to do it if i want to do it here or if i want to go down to sea level to do another one uh, but i'm going to try to get a good 5k in right before OCR World. So either a, two weeks before, probably two weeks before um, would be a good time to just throw one in. And I might just organize some people. I might just call like Mark Gaudet and Rich Ryan and be like, hey, like I want to run a 5K and I need some people that are, you know, superior to me to come down and, you know, throw down with me. 
We just talked about, you need to get caught up on the last episode of Race Brain. We talked about 12 of these things you're hitting on right now, including uh, <laughs> putting together a 5K for the OCR athletes and see who we can get out. In fall. Oh, dude, if you do it, I'm there, 100%. And I'll mm-hmm. be better okay. than 16 flat shape. I swear. And I think two weeks out from OCR Worlds, which is at sea level, you should you should do a sea level time trial. Yeah. Okay. You want to get down there and get that first sea level effort out of the way. I can do that. All right, you've made my decision. Thanks, Coach. Um, there you go. But I have a couple like mountain races and trail races on the schedule. So a week after uh, the uh, Spartan race in Puebla, I'll be going to Tahoe for the Broken Arrow. I'm running the 26K. Sweet. Seems kind of far, but we'll see what happens. Um, and then I'm going to take a little time off in July, I think, uh, after Utah. I think that's the best move I can make to try, like, not necessarily time off, but just back down intensity a ton, run less. I have a canoe trip coming up with Jack Bauer, so uh, that's going to be right. like our rest period. Nice. Where are you going? That's up uh, my We're alley. going somewhere in Utah. Uh, we're like, I think it's Can- Canyonlands. Is that is that a Utah thing where they got all like the rivers that go between the big rocks, you know, in the canyons? So just like a camping canoe trip? Yeah, a couple days. Like survival skills, put them to use, live with Mother Nature? I think it's more Maybe. like bring a big cooler full of Pop-Tarts and you'll be okay type it, of thing. You'll also see a second full cooler of just sunscreen for that man. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. Uh, he always has so much sunscreen with him. Uh, every yeah. run, like if, if you're like, all right, let's let's get there at seven so we can start running in a couple minutes. He'll get there at seven and then spend ten minutes like coating his body in like white cream. So it's uh, <laughs> very interesting. He doesn't yeah. mess around. No, he said he hasn't had a sunburn since he was like fourteen. He remembers the exact time that he had a sunburn the last time. He hasn't had a sunburn since. When we arrived in San Luis Obispo, we arrived at the same time as him and Ryan Kent. And before he exited the, uh, what is it, like a four, four runway or four port air, airport, before he stepped outside for the first time, we had to wait for him for five minutes before he even stepped out to get to the rental car. So he does take it seriously. Wow. Yeah. I've, not, I even not, witnessed no it. No chances. I pick, you, have to be, you have to be in the back of the canoe. Otherwise, you're just going to assume you're doing paddle work and he's going to be constantly reapplying behind you. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I'm actually going to be sharing a canoe with uh, my girlfriend, Sarah, and he'll be with uh, his girlfriend, fiance, girlfriend. I don't know. Uh, but he'll be with Audrey and they'll be together. Right. So uh, I'll be making Sarah do a lot of the work. And I'm like, oh, I got to rest. Keep going, Sarah. Um, and Jack's hands are going to be too greasy to grip the paddle. So <laughs> she's going to be doing the work as well. Um, yeah, back to racing. Uh, in <laughs> August, I'm going to go to Steamboat Springs and do the Emerald Mountain Epic. It's a half marathon trail race because uh, it looks fun. Also in August, I'm going to go to Alta in Utah for a Cirque Series. And do you know what do mountain it. they in Alta? I, I stayed in Alta before Tahoe in 2019, uh, and it was off season there, so it was dead. But uh, those mountains are steep AF out there. Like you talk like Big Bear steep. Any direct? I don't even know how they put you on a hill that wasn't like Big Bear steep. Do you know what mountain they're putting you up over there? No, 
I do not. Okay. Uh, the Thorsons it, know. They're all about that. They, they live know exactly up there. where it'll be. Um, it's aggressive. I was there. thinking about staying with them. Go cool. party with them. And it's a family of animals. Some. They're it monsters. Um, and then I'm doing another Cirque series in September before OCR Worlds uh, in Arapaho Basin. I did that one last year. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Joe, I got to watch Joe Gray just annihilate a ton of people, including a Kenyan. I guess you can be borderline world-class fast and in mountain shape if you're Joe Gray. That's the thing. He's so quick. Um, I might actually be able to run with him a couple times. And I never took him up on it the first time he offered because I was so scared. Uh, mm -hmm. I was just like... You're easy, Maran. I might be out for like you know a tempo workout. That's what you got to do. I was thinking about just like yeah, just go, yeah. just hang with him. But he's he's so crazy. Make it just, Wednesday. He just looks crazy. You just look at him and you're like, you're kind of built for this. He's just a machine. And, Made uh, in a lab. Yeah, dude. Uh, wow. Oh, I beat a Kenyan at Cirque Series, dude. Because they you? can't. He couldn't run downhill. He, and he was, you could tell he was like a real fast dude. He was like one of the top three at the top of the mountain. And I passed him. Yeah. So one of your biggest accomplishments to date, maybe? Passed a Kenyan. And I wasn't the, uh, the first female beat me to the top of the mountain, too. And I smoked her on the downhill. Look at you. Yeah, man. That's right. Did you, you look at your downhill right. segment compared to some of those guys? Like how much room for improvement you have on the downhill compared to... Uh, the fastest if you were close I imagine you weren't far off I was okay I don't think I was quite as good at that time um, but I don't know I don't think I actually looked I should figure that out because that'd be cool to know but I, I mean I, I don't consider myself like a super special downhill person I think I'm strong at it but I'm not like someone like Johnny um, who's like too fast he's uh <laughs> He says that he won't do, like, super hard downhills too often because he bruises his heels. Never experienced that myself. No. I can't inflict pain, like, injury upon myself on purpose in training. I, I can't do that. I, I don't know if I could even do that in a race unless it's, like, you know, you're fighting for the win at, a champ at like, the world championships, you know? Like, be willing to hurt yourself a little bit, and you'll attain, like, glory forever. You talk about superhero tendencies that some people have. I have never seen a freakier-looking downhill descender. There may be faster downhillers in the world than him, mm -hmm. but on that ski slope, black diamond descent terrain, I've never seen someone look the way he looks. It's reckless. It looks reckless, but he's totally comfortable. It's like free-running. But on, but for yeah. mountains, <laughs> he's the only one who pushes off actively running downhill. Yeah. We normally it's... lean forward and let gravity do the work, but he's striding out simultaneously. Yeah. It's it's wild with a knee drive. Wild. Yeah. It, it's it's like if you put us at the top of a two hundred meter hill or one hundred, and said million dollars fastest to the bottom, the way we would look for like sixty or eighty meters until we started to realize something bad's about to happen is how he just <laughs> looks like, i don't i don't understand it We're, we got to send him to uh that thing where you chase the wheel of cheese down the hill you know what i'm talking about mm. <laughs> he'd kill it he'd be really good at that 
Solomability, that's what he says. It's all in the hips. Yeah, yeah I played soccer. Uh, I think it's a little okay, more dude. than that. Yeah, like you're, you're it's a this Taylor Cruz voodoo. Yeah. Well, they, yes. Solomon did this mini docu series on trying to set the fastest reverse vertical K. You see that? There's Ooh, this uh, chick who's super fast at downhills, and they sent a guy with her, and they they tried to see who could descend a vertical K the fastest, and there was a world time or something like that. I feel like Johnny's a candidate for that. Easily. Because he has that uh, descent on the bar trail. He beat Joe Gray's record time. He set the time from, like, bar camp down in the bar yeah. trail race. Like, it's insane. He, I think he averaged, like, sub five-minute pace the whole time. Or something like yeah. that. It's like right around there. It's wild. I can't really wrap my head around it because it just sounds painful. I don't. Necess- I don't actually really like running downhill. Like when I go run Pikes Peak this summer, I'm gonna run up and ride the railway down. Like I'm not gonna run down. That sounds terrible. So <laughs> it's I don't the only enjoy way I've it. ever done it. Yeah, I'm. I'm good at it. I just don't like doing. It, basically. I look at Ryan Atkins and I think, I wonder if he if it feels as good as it looks, like comfort wise, for him to run downhill. Because he never looks like he fully opens up. He's just really fast with like a a clipped stride. It looks like he could do it yeah. all day and all night. I wonder how it truly feels for someone like him or Lindsay. Lindsay looks like she's just running aerobic threshold down a mountain. I wonder how it feels for those people. I think. Uh... Running downhill is like harder. I mean, it's harder on your body than it is cardiovascularly. So I guess you can like kind of look relaxed while your legs are taking a beating. You know. Johnny says he can put his heart rate at 180 and pin it going downhill. That takes some sort of skill there. I actually bringing that up about the ladies. How? Because I just I just caught up on the replay of Big Bear uh, a couple yesterday, Um, and the ladies were catching the men early. Oh my gosh! So How far early. did they start? Like five minutes after versus the normal Less. fifteen. They started like thirty seconds to a minute. Oh, they put them right out. Okay, that yeah. makes more sense. They I were was catching, wondering about that. Yeah. They were catching real athletes, yeah, not Logan, just like the guys Logan who barely ran. scrape in. Logan ran like half the race with uh, Lindsay and Emma. He was right there. They were just like going that. Makes me forth. feel better about all of us a little bit. And and yet worse because I always think if I went in the women's field, I could win it. And then I watch some of this, and I think, I don't know. And I hate thinking that, that on that's... some courses, you might not win. Yeah, dude. That's crazy. Like, I don't want Lindsay hawking me down on the last descent of a, of a race. It's <laughs> impressive, isn't it? You ever gonna or put Emma on just a wig flat and... out outrunning me. You, you ever going to, like, uh, put on a wig and sports bra and go out there in a stadium race and throw down with the ladies or something? Oh, stadiums. Stadium is not a challenge here. Mm, That's the so. only thing on this planet I can do out of shape. But Emma would have dusted me in any race in the last year or two. Dude, there's just some raw speed there. Like, does she do anything? I haven't looked into her at all. Is she, uh, what does she do outside of OCR? Was she, is she, like, just a world-class mountain runner, too? Adventurer. Or She's just an adventurer. She jumped in her first 100K to get a qualifier because she wanted to go to Worlds. So she jumped in the Canadian National 100K Championships and won it so that she could go to run the World 100K Championship. Sometimes you just wonder, why Why am I trying? 
Like why? <laughs> like what am I what am I hoping to accomplish here when there's people like that? We were talking about that OCR 5K list, and then all, suddenly we thought, wait, does Nell Rojas qualify as an OCR? Because suddenly she beats all of us. Everyone feels like she's an OCR athlete because she did a couple races, so everyone follows along with like, yeah. uh, you know, her going to her different races and stuff like that, or doing the Boston Marathon. And it almost feels like, oh, there's an obstacle racer in the mix yeah. when she like did she's, two obstacle races or something. I think she's the fastest active marathoner in the sport, counting the men's PRs. Now that Hobie's officially yeah. gone, yeah, that's wild. What what did Thatcher's run? He ran like a two. 20 19, or something? I think he was. 219? 220. Somewhere around there. But isn't Lindsay and They Emma would have been like of... kicking together the last mile. <laughs> she would have been running them down. Oh my gosh, dude. That's just wild. Uh, here's the, the thing that's hard to wrap your brain around is like Lindsay and Emma could not hold a candle to a, your 5K or anybody that. I mean, they, they crushed a bunch of men in Big Bear that would run circles around them in a 5K or a 10K on flat terrain. So, like. Do we need that speed for much of what we do? Like, can Lindsay crack 17? I wouldn't. I know. Right? I don't, I don't she, think you need that speed, dude. You just need to be able to. You don't. You got to have a high mod. High mod. You, you know, Bracken, we came score. up with compromised running, sort of, and it's used. You did. Loosely everywhere. I, I used I to did. call it fatigued running, and that's way worse. Well, I came up, right? And then we should have trademarked it, but we didn't, right? And I think you need to go, however you do that, submit that for your mod situation just in case it catches on. I'd be making tens of dollars a year off, off compromise running. You should um, definitely give people mod scores. Like, try to, try to come up with some way to analyze that. Maybe, like... Uh, see if you can take average paces in between obstacles uh, for certain races and see what people do. That'd be kind of interesting. Versus Put Jack on time. It. Yeah. yeah. We get t-shirts. Even mod, bro. Yeah, I'll find, I'll find out what my r- average running pace was in between obstacles and slow. And I'll let you know. Yeah. And we'll, uh, we'll... We'll put together an OCR mod list. There we go. Sounds good. That'd be valuable. Wow. Did we, uh, did we miss anything with you today, VJ? Um, oh, uh, I'm trying to lose weight. You're just uh, going to spring that on us at two hours and one minute into this interview? <laughs> oh, yeah, When I got to go back to work? My bad. <laughs> um, no, I, uh, I was 181. Uh, I didn't weigh myself before Big Bear, but I weighed myself after. I was 181. How I weigh 180 pounds, I do not know. But what, that's far what were too you, much. Like, let's say OCR Worlds last year. I'd say closer to 170. You're just as lean now, would you say? You're still lean? It's it's lean mass you put on, or do you think there's a little No, bulk? I think I had some body fat in there, too. Like, I'm not quite as lean. Like, I don't know if you noticed, but I wore a shirt in San Luis Obispo just so that people wouldn't, you know, question if I was, like, an athlete or not. That was uh, a that was a strategic. body image issue? No, not really. I, I like wearing the shirt. Um, yeah. you, you've been consistent with your hot. virus top. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like I, I would wear shirts more often, but uh, you know sometimes the races get really hot, and virus hasn't made like a white compression shirt yet. Once they make a white one, I'll probably wear that like every race. But uh, until I wanna, it comes, I want to jump into this real. Okay, now I got to ask. I got like five minutes. 
So we'll give it, okay. we're putting a five minute cap on this. Five what cap. is your so your yeah? What is your approach here? Like when you say that, I think people would be very curious to hear. And and it's okay to talk about wanting to lose weight in the right circumstance. Like it's a tough balance because we got to be so politically correct about it for good right. reason. Yeah. But um, at the same time, like you know, um, we still I mean, should I don't talk think about like, it fat or anything and i'm not trying to cut yeah. a ton of weight to be faster it's just like i was carrying 10 pounds more than like you know a healthy version of myself would uh and i don't really know where it was from um mm. and i'm not going on like some big diet cutting out of all my food or anything like that like um i think some of it was gaining weight just being down from altitude because i always do that when i come down from altitude i, I put on weight like right away I'll go out and, you know, run a race and weigh more after the race than I did the day before. I just collect weight while I'm there. So I think it was a little exaggerated, but I do think, um, you know, when I think back to like 2019 when I felt like the fastest necessarily, um, I was in the upper 160s and I was still strong. Like I'm plenty strong to do all, all the things I need to do in OCR. Like, I think I had one of the fastest sandbag carries in Big Bear. Uh, I went from 13th to 5th just in a sandbag carry. Um, you were at 13th at one point? Yeah, the, up the first Early. climb. Everyone's going so fast. I was like, I don't know why they're going that fast. Um, yeah, that would be like if I went out and just decided to gap Josiah by, like, you know, a minute on the first climb or something like I know I can't out climb you but for some reason everyone thought they I guess everyone thought they had a shot at winning that race which I mean is pretty cool but they were going so fast at that first climb and I was just not gonna play with that I went as fast as I was comfortable with and I just stuck with it but then when I got to the sandbag and I just saw everyone like falling apart that quick like yeah. Wild. I, I don't think anyone's put a segment on it yet, so I might do that while I'm on the computer here. We'll see how how well we did. You should. So, yeah, oh, your approach. Like, what, weight, what would you do, thing. like, in a healthful way? Yeah. Um, I'm just uh, probably just cutting, like, some sugary things I had in my diet. Like, I don't have a super strict diet. Like, a lot of people are, like, super healthy in this sport. I'm not one of them. Um, but I'm trying to just be, like maybe instead of having a soda occasionally i just won't do that or low-hanging like that. fruit that's the best approach get rid of the low-hanging fruit and don't yeah. change anything else yeah. yeah everything else is good like the primary parts of my diet are pretty solid um i'm not changing my approach to eating or anything like that i'm just uh yeah trying to lean out a little bit because i'm just i have a little more body fat than i think i normally would um and then also just a little heavy and I know I've been really healthy and strong in the upper 160s so I'm not going to like dive right to that but I might try to just like cut a couple pounds um, of just excess weight that I have and I'm not really sure where exactly it is but it exists and yeah. I think you start carrying those golf bags again instead of riding. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah man. Walk some extra miles. But it's, it's so weird to put on weight because I never really see where it's at. And to think, you know, ideal, if I was trying to be a pro runner, like a road runner, I'd have to weigh, you know, like 30 pounds less than I do. It's kind of hard to fathom. 
yeah, um, where I would lose all that weight from because I'm probably one of the leanest in the sport as it is. So other than like Hawk, Hawk, Hawk takes the cake for that now. Um, but yeah, dude. That'll like probably I, be, as you get older, like not that metabolism changed that much, you're still plenty young, but like eventually like every athlete is going to face that exact dilemma at some point. Like I don't know about you, Bracken, but – I'd say, I don't know, three or f- three, four years ago, I noticed, like, I cannot get away with the things I used to get away with, whereas I used to get away with everything. I don't know. Have you noticed that, Bracken, at all? Yeah, and you know when mine changed? It was after surgeries. When I hit sure. back-to-back surgeries, I hit the lowest or the longest period of inactivity in my life, and it's like I aged right then. Because I had never stopped training before that, I felt like I was always 20 or 25, somewhere in there. My body never felt older. felt like I always recovered the same. If I looked at the scale, I'd drop a few pounds. <laughs> as soon as I went inactive, my body's like, hey, you know what you are now? You're middle age, so let's start acting the part. <laughs> it happened overnight. Well, I'm not there yet, but I'm just trying yeah. to uh, get back to what I know is really good. And not unhealthy by any means. Like, I've never been... Like, I don't have an eating disorder, or I don't, I'm not, like, you know, anorexic or anything. I've never been that way, but uh, I'm just trying to cut, like, a couple pounds that I don't think need to exist. Yeah. yeah. This conversation happens all the time with my athletes. They come to my come to me with that same proposal, and um, there's nothing wrong with that if it's done in a healthful manner, of course, yeah. And if it's yeah, sure. brought on by, yeah, yeah. Um, anything else, Bracken? That's yeah. it. Yeah, I got I to gotta go back to work. I'm sorry, dude. I know. It's, it's rough. Bedtime no, here. I like. Oh, yeah. What time is it there? You're at oh, 9 o'clock? For the kids. 8.39 p.m. All right. Mm. I like going to bed at that time. It's nice. I did last night. I've been up till about 3 or 4 every night. Time at this point, I can't adjust. I'm trying not to adjust now because we're flying home in two days. VJ, mm. so. who's, uh, who's got your back these days? Anything changed since we talked to you last? Who's taking care of you? Um, yeah, I got a new new uh, homie on the roster. But, yeah, normal, virus, international, making my gear, uh, naked sports innovations, carrying all my stuff. Uh, VJ Shoes now. You know, I got a shoe company that matches my name. Uh, they decided to make some shoes that fit normal people, and I was like, that's awesome. I can align with that. Uh, like that new Extreme 2 is killer. I don't see myself racing in anything except that. Um, even for short, fast stuff. Uh, True Wild is a new nutrition company I've been working with. They make a really good hydration mix. Uh, I'm a big fan of it. Uh, been rocking that every day, multiple times a day, and it's working. So no complaints there. Yeah, Venga CBD, Sweet. as usual, keeping uh, the Colorado company happy. Yeah, dude. Got to stay local. Dude. I uh, I don't think I'll ever move away from that brand. It's like they agreed to continue working with 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 me. That's awesome, but I can't use other CBDs now that I've used Venga. Like it's just better than everything else, and it's I don't know. I've tried. You feel an actual? You notice a difference? Totally. That and brand the, versus any other brand? Yes, you get so much more, especially with the balms and stuff. All the other like CBD balms and solves and things that you put on or salves so I don't know how I'm supposed to say that but when you it has something mixed in menthol or bengay or something that 
like hides the fact that the the CBD in there isn't doing anything. Like it doesn't make you feel any better. This is straight up just like beeswax with their CBD in it. And it works better because you absorb like five or six times more with this product than you would with others. So it's just better. I swear. You make a compelling spokesman. Well, Benny didn't sell you and working with him for like a year, Bracken. BJ gives you a 60-second elevator pitch, and I can see you lighten up over there. <laughs> I'll send you some. I'll send you some, and you can try it out yourself. I got you. Yeah? Yeah. Just rub it, it on anywhere I want it, see how it works? Yeah, dude, it works in multiple ways. Sweet. Mm-hmm. You know, I got drug tested um, in the fall, and I was taking CBD oil, and I got popped for smoking marijuana. You did? I smoking marijuana. Well, this is one hundred. I mean, I, I, full THC spectrum free. stuff, huh? It was no. This is full spectrum. Yeah, I know. And I wasn't even taking that much, and it, it popped as if I had uh, had the ganj in my system. Who'd have thought? Well, this is THC free and uh, you know informed sport, water compliant, all that stuff. Good. Like, make sure I'm that's not. the case. It is. Yes, Kirk. Yes, they didn't even test chances. him. They just took a look at his goatee, his ponytail, his flannel they shirt, just and they categorized said, yeah, me. Marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was. Now we're ending this conversation for real. Sounds good. All right. Appreciate you guys. Good seeing you as always, VJ. Welcome to the hey. Three Timers Club. Woo!